the garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, good morning, welcome to Mid-South Gardening. Glad y'all can join us this morning. We're here live at KWAM Studio. I'm Veda with uh, Palladio in Memphis. Yes, she is, and I'm Kenneth with Dan West Garden Centers. Define live. Oh yeah! I thought if I use that word, then they'll just be, you know believe we're actually and I, awake. And I'm Jim Crowder, the other part of this uh, madness on Saturday mornings. This trio of comedy, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's even more comedy because all three of us can see ourselves on a big screen TV. Yes. And what is this all about? And we're in delay. So oh, uh, I'm not going to look in over a way. There. So yeah, just like traveling good. into your past. Yeah. This makes it even worse to see. <laughs> oh, and I haven't had a chance. What's the weather today? Uh, it's going to be nice, you know, 60s. Okay. Yeah, we've got a couple of days. It's going to be cloudy off and on. I can live with that. Um, and thank heaven for the rain nice. that we did get finally. A yes. nice, good, steady rain. Yeah. You know, because it was bone dry. We've been saying that this whole summer. Yeah. But the, the upside is we've had one of the best fall colors that we've yeah. had in a long time. I uh, had a lady bring in a sample of a uh, black gum yesterday. Oh, yeah. She's Great like, um, what is this? And I said, well, it's a black gum. And it, of course, had beautiful, pure red, burgundy, burnt red foliage on it. Yeah. And this one had uh, little black berries yep. on it. Yep, it should have berries and this she, time of year. she said, I've never known a bl- uh, black gum to have berries. Mm-hmm. And I Me guess some either. years they do berry heavier than others, depending on maybe the... Well, that could be, yeah. But they should produce berries in, in late summer, and then you see them pr- primarily in the fall after they've lost their foliage. Well, it was the it was the foliage that she snipped it off. Mm-hmm. She didn't tell me where she got it, of course. Right. And she said, "This is what I want right here." Now, like I said, you know, most of these trees that are absolutely beautiful right now, fall color, you'll walk past them every day during the growing season and never give them a second look. Right. right. But come this time of year, oh, they'll stop you in your tracks. I'm telling Ma- you, maples have been particularly nice. The red maples. Um, the red oaks this year mm, have red been oaks spectacular. Are I saw uh, a beautiful stand of crepe myrtles that's so mm-hmm. healthy and stately looking um, on uh, in Lakeland on 64. <clears throat> Some of the healthiest produced ones I've ever seen, but their foliage was so burgundy, not burgundy, orangish red. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I saw some dogwoods yeah. that looked just yeah, as good dog, as those crepe myrtles dog this year. Dogwoods have been good this year. Man, so you were you yeah. said, remember, about six weeks ago, yep. maybe mm-hmm. eight, two months ago, that we we're going to probably have a decent yep. fall yep. color. Everything's set up sure right enough, man, when I'm, you have dry fall, <laughs> uh, have some cold temperatures, that ends up locking the sugars into the uh, into the leaves, and then warm days afterwards. So it was. It's been the perfect scenario. If we'd had a little bit more water, we'd have a little less brown crisping in some mm-hmm. of them. Oh. But it's uh, it's but been been it. a really yeah been a really good year for <laughs> well. Color. I think there there needs to be a new rule though. Um, it needs to be a new rule. Yeah. What's, like, what's that rule? <laughs> well, 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 first of all, let me set it up by saying you know I'm I'm really a good guy, and I'm gonna explain why. Last Saturday, you gotta, you I want to ex- hear this yeah. explanation. <laughs> I have to prove myself. Gina, are you listening? Last Saturday, <laughs> you know, during the day, it was a beautiful day last Saturday. And, of course, this tulip poplar that's in my front yard is dropping brown leaves, okay, everywhere. And this is the third time that I've gone out there to get the leaves up. Normally, I just get the lawnmower out that's got the mulching blade on it and just run across them and grind them up, Right. 
Well, it happened, so happened that my neighbor right beside me was out there raking her leaves, and then the neighbor right beside her, I guess he saw what she was doing, he was out there raking his leaves. So I'm thinking, all right, I need to go ahead and get my leaves up. And normally I just cut them, but this, at this time, y'all, I had to rake them because I knew if I was out there and the wind was blowing pretty bad last Saturday, it was blowing from my left to right, meaning if I went out there and started cutting the leaves, I was going to blow more leaves in her yard than right. I probably was going to cut. And since they were outside, I doing their do you that. couldn't do it. Right. So I was out there raking those things up, bagging them up, and she was, you know, waving at me like, "Good job," you know, because I know how you normally do this. So I posted um, a picture this week. Uh, there's a on each side of our gate and the fence, leaves accumulate. Little whirlwind forms mm-hmm. on each side. And it was a beautiful little pile of reds and oranges, some greens, you know. And I said this, you know, talked about how pretty it was. And I wanted to thank all the neighbors for contributing to it. I loved it. That was so funny. (laughs) You you find all these leaves that they're not coming from a tree in your yard. No maples in my yard. (laughs) Man, I'm telling you. You worded that so well. And there's a lot of neighbors thinking that this morning. One lady said, no, let's not get snarky. (laughs) Well, I'm telling you, there's a big difference for me. Between raking leaves and getting the more out and mulching those things up. In fact, I'd rather grind them up and let them just lay there because I know, you know, they're going to help the health of my lawn in the long term. But at the same time, I am blowing them around and I get that, but I couldn't do it last Saturday, y'all. And you know what I should have done is just leave it alone and don't even go out there and and rake or anything. Just wait for a day. Just wait till after dark. (laughs) Wait till they're not out there, Jim, and get my mower back out, you know? But she had it looking good, right? I mean, she mm-hmm. didn't have a leaf in her yard. And so any leaf that got in that yard was going to come from right. me. Right, she's going to definitely know. Yeah, so. Mm, mm. You know, that we always talk about the leave the leaves in the fall and all. And it's hard to leave the leaves everywhere in the fall. But, you know, like praying mantis, like the stick, the um, stick, uh, the walking stick. stick thank you, the yeah. stick. But, you know, they just lay their eggs wherever. Mm-hmm. And so when we're getting rid of um, all of our debris, a lot of times we're getting rid of a lot of uh, insect eggs that are beneficial. Yeah, a lot of cocoons will, will stay there, you know, that are maturing this late. Uh, they'll stay there to, and not hatch till fall. Yeah, yeah, uh, but also, yes, that, that month too. You know, the flip uh-huh. side of that, a lot of the debris that we're getting up and out of there, we're getting rid of bad insect eggs also. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a catch-22. Well, it's forever and ever we're always told, get rid of all this because you're getting rid of bad stuff, but we're also getting rid of good stuff. So I just want us to learn how to discern a little bit between it. Well, which, you know. The, the idea of getting up leaves because, you know, you're getting rid of diseases and insect eggs is, I mean, it sounds good, but there's really no science to back that up because, mm-hmm. you know, if you've got fungal spores that are getting mm-hmm. on your hydrangea, they're on all the shrubs around it. Mm-hmm. They're floating in the air. All you're doing is removing the ones that are directly underneath it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so Which is not a bad thing. It's but not it, a bad thing, but you know, you're kinda spitting into the wind mm-hmm. because it's not going to prevent you from having the same issues next year. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like, well, you got it because you didn't remove your leaves. Mm-hmm. You got it because it's around. It's the environment. Um, or something that we're doing to stress the plant out to make it get it. You know, it. Well, <laughs> I, I didn't hear both of y'all say, Kenny, you are a good guy, you know, for not getting out there, cutting the leaves, Wait, just raking the leaves. I lost my lines. I forgot to say I lost my... <laughs> yeah, I bet you did. <laughs> Kenny, you are a good guy well, for I not getting so, out there doing know, that. Like, yeah. You didn't have to say that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But I, I got to 
um, add them up because later y'all might want to use them back on me. Yeah, and I think today, uh, I, I'm, you know, instead of me waiting for all the leaves, to, and when I was going to tell you a while ago, the rule that I wanted mm-hmm. to, to change was I wanted all the leaves to come down at one time Yeah. from now on. I mean, it would just make life so much easier. Or I could just, I know, just leave them laying there until they all come down, but then I'll have a mountain of leaves I got to get up. Right. But what would you do all fall if you didn't have weekly to go mow your leaves? Oh, I'd be edging or, or <laughs> you know, cutting the grass or pruning or whatever. Watch a football game. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Let's get to the truth <laughs> <Yes>. of it. <laughs> and the Tigers did win yeah, last night, by the way. Right. Great game. All right, a couple things. Uh, we do have some people coming in at the 7 o'clock hour uh, from the Memphis Area Master Gardener Program to talk about the wonderful Memphis Area Master Gardener calendar. Oh, I can't wait to get ours. You know, yeah, yeah. so they, they always bring us a calendar up here. And we'll explain, you know, this is not just a calendar. Mm-hmm. And what's so wonderful about this particular calendar? It's, it's wall art. You know, well, it, <laughs> and it's not just that, Veda. No. You know, I'm not going to give it away, but we all know why this thing is Does it have dates on have. it? Is that what makes it cool? It's oh, got... he's talking about the picture that's on the front. Uh-oh. No, I'm talking about the <laughs> wonderful information. We're going to make you in this calendar. Right have a quote from you or something. <laughs> <laughs> but the picture that's on the front, you know, right. I was looking at that thing. And I'm like, what is, what is this thing? So Jen and Jamie came by the store yesterday. Uh, and they're Memphis Area Master Gardeners, Jan and Jan Childers. And I asked, I said, Jan, what in the heck is this thing on the front? Well, all she did was flip it over. And it's, it, it has a list of all the pictures on the back of it. And she said, oh, well, this is a bee bomb. And I was like, well, I could have done that. Oh, uh, she got you. <laughs> yeah, she did. All right, guys, we're up and running this morning, Miss Fade. If you want to give us a call, 901-260-5926. You're listening to KWAM. We'll be right back. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Give us a call, 901-260-5926. You can post questions on Facebook Live. Also, um, look at the Facebook page that Jim is the administrator of. It's wonderful. Gardening in U.S. Mid-South Gardening, USDA Zone. Six, seven, and eight. Yeah, I had a customer come into the garden center with a... um a plant that she didn't bring a sample in, but she wanted to know what it was. And I said... Well, she came in with a plant that yeah. she didn't well, she, bring a she sample tried, in. She explained it to me. And it was green. Give me a bunch of them. And it was about this tall. Didn't bloom. Mm. And I went over hollies and yeah. boxwoods and everything else. And we, you know, I was like, this is crazy. I said, look, what you can do is either bring me a sample or take a nice picture of it and send it to me or... I said, you can get on this Facebook page mm-hmm. uh, that the uh, Jim Crowder, who's the administrator of, and I said, you could submit that picture, and I guarantee you, you'll get an answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there's yeah. just, you know, there's there's 10,000 people, you know, members for this thing. And I said, I promise you, you'll get an answer. Um, so she, I wrote it all down for her, Jim. So she'll, I'm sure well, she'll good. be signing that thing mm-hmm. up. She hadn't already done it. So, Well, we've got a caller this morning. Let's go to Jan. Good morning, Jan. You're in the Mid-South Garden. Thanks for the call. What can we help you with? Well, good morning to you all. Good morning to you, Mr. Jan Gwynn. What's going on today, buddy? Well, it's going to be another beautiful day. And uh, uh, before I ask the question, uh, I don't don't like to get the the cart before the horse because uh, (laughs) Thanksgiving is such a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful holiday Mm -hmm. time. Uh, you guys have had some really fantastic shows this fall. Thank you. Uh, but and not not 
uh, giving up Thanksgiving too early. But uh, the question is, uh, do, do people use the decorations uh, still boxwood, uh, different, you know, boxwood wreaths mm-hmm. or boxwoods hard to find, right. uh, greenery, uh, you know, as you get towards Christmas. Uh, hmm. I just wondered uh, the potential availability of using such as uh, garland and reefs and those type of things. Is that something that we think would be available this year or not? That's a great question, Jan. Um, you know, of course, all the garden centers that sell Christmas decor, especially the live material, uh, you know, they book this stuff really early in advance, way before Christmas. And, you know, only, uh, you know, normal years, uh, you know, your fresh garlands, your wreaths, uh, you know, whether it's the needled type pines and spruces and firs and so forth, they're always available. But this year in particular, uh, boxwoods, in fact, our, the first inclination was we were all told that you are not getting any boxwood anything, whether it's a wreath, whether it's a garland, whether it's tips, anything like that. Uh, and just the other day, and, and don't quote me on this, Jan, because we don't know for sure, um, we had an uh, email come in that said there might be uh, a few of the boxwood wreaths available, and we still don't know that for sure. So uh, this year in particular, there, it's just not available on a wide scale mm-hmm. like it is you know, in years I past. I like wholesale, because like, there's plenty of boxwoods around where I work that I can just prune them out and make my own thing. But if you're trying to buy them retail, you're right. saying possibly just yeah, because of the blight and all. I don't know if it's because yeah. of the labor force that's out mm. there. They can't, you know, get the tips. Uh, the boxwoods, after what happened last year up in the Virginias, and even here in the Mid-South, you know, there was so much damage done to them that it might not be as much material out there mm-hmm. uh, to cultivate. But, Jan, I'm telling you, that's a great question because right now it is still up in the air. If a customer was to call me today at Dan West, I would say, look, I'd be glad to take your name and number, or you can call back, you know, later on in a couple of weeks. We might know something more definitive. But right now, uh, we still don't know anything when it comes to boxwood. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys have a great uh, Thanksgiving season, and uh, I know I know all of the the stores are going to be getting ready to start jumping. Oh, yeah. With oh, yeah. Christmas and, and, uh, and, and all of that, and... Uh, I think you've been able to go out and buy a Christmas tree, of, uh, 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 not a real Christmas tree, mm-hmm. probably for two months now. Yeah, <laughs> true. It's oh, yeah. It, in the market. It, it's amazing how every year uh, you see the artificial stuff go up, or the Christmas decor as a whole kind of jam go up a little earlier, it seems like, every year. It won't be long before it'll be up just year-round, you know. Well, yes, and I, I will <laughs> leave you all, and thank you, uh, you all for all the information that you provide us, us rookies. But uh, uh, I will say that uh, going back to you know the, the the winter, the late winter, and everything that we went through, and I mentioned to you all, what can I do to save a gardenia bush that's mm-hmm. over thirty five years old? And mm-hmm. I was told to slowly cut it back and uh, you know fertilize it, mill organite or whatever, but just slowly start cutting it back. And lo and behold, uh, it has leafed. It did leaf out uh, during the summer, and uh, hopefully next year, if we don't have another, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one night uh, catastrophe like right. we did last, <laughs> year, but, uh, 
we'll, we'll all have better luck with our landscape this winter. <laughs> Boy, that's for sure. Good Maybe Lord. we can add to it instead of subtracting Amen this Amen to year. that. But Jan, thank you, brother. Appreciate the phone <laughs> call. Appreciate you getting up. Bye-bye. Bye, Jan. Thank you for the call. Great um, guy yes, right there. That's one thing I love about all the holiday times is how you can go out and just grab stuff out of nature and create pretty wreaths and displays <clears> and <throat> Um, there's just so much stuff in nature to do that we don't even think about, and you don't have to plant it or have roots. Yeah, years ago, um, we made our own wreaths back when I was at PNS Garden Center, which has been long gone, but this is back in the 70s. But we had uh, three or four huge Burford hollies that were on the back of the property, and we go back there and just shear the tips off of them and take them. And of course, we used, we used straw rings and used greening pins to pin them in there and then we'd spray them down with oil aside which would make them shine real Uh good which is (laughs) was an oil spray that we used to have uh it's it's uh, in and they were really pretty i Mm -hmm. mean you'd have some berries in there you could stick a few nandina cuttings Mm -hmm. in there and you know and you could make a a pretty decent Mm -hmm. wreath you can. I figure the labor, though, we probably lost money on every oh, one. But, that, but, you know. That's true. That's true. Oh, yeah. My sister was out um, cleaning uh, somebody's yard and got a bunch of grapevine. So she spent time making wreaths out of that. And then we'll use it later on. And, and when you're grabbing, like you said, the hollies or the live greens, and you just weave it in the grapevine, just stick it in there. You don't have to even have a vision because it's better if you just put it where it fits and then it starts forming on its own. And don't be so critical either. You know, just just go for it. Yeah, just and, go for it. And I like the idea, like Jim was saying, spray the oil on there to make it shine. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can also get this, uh, like what Veda was talking about, if you create, and Jim, if you create your own live wreath, a lot of people do. Uh, you can spray it down with that wilt proof. Right. And that will help hold that moisture in those cuttings right. that you if put on there. If you're doing cuttings, you know, yeah. uh, and like anything, cedar, whatever like that, that you want to put on top of your mantle, spray it down with oil aside and, uh, or, or, or an oil spray, and it will really help prevent it losing moisture and mm-hmm. turning brown by tomorrow morning. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right, right. Yeah. Because a lot of people put it right there on the mantle, like Jim's talking about. Of course, they got a roaring fire going, mm-hmm. you know, and it just dries yeah. that garland out so um, fast. I know we can't have the best of both worlds, but we do want that storybook look mm-hmm. of the wonderful mantle with all the live smelling greenery and the poinsettias sitting right beside the fire that's burning, you know, and the big plate glass window with the snow falling outside and the house plants up against the plate glass window none of that actually works long term looks good for the pitcher it does. but the poinsettias roast next to the fire the yeah. house plants freeze next touching the, the glass on the window. window and the beautiful greenery on the mantle turns brown because it's so hot yeah that's just life right there <laughs> yeah and you do need to pay attention to that you know if you've got a christmas tree or whatever you know it is it is flammable uh, Ferd Heckel and I, years ago, when, when they came out with these ornaments that had, was it, Halon in them? The fire knockout ornament. Right. What? So, yeah, it, <laughs> you hung them on the tree, and if there was a fire on the tree, they were supposed to explode and put the fire oh, out. Wow. So, wow. I yep. went out to uh, my wife's uncle's property. I cut a cedar, just an old, you know, juniper, mm. and we put it up on the deck at Dan West, let it dry until it was crispy right. brown. Yeah, you and, couldn't you couldn't touch it, or all right. the needles would just fall off. So, and then one Sunday morning, we stood it up out there, put a couple of ornaments on it, and lit it. 
It went up like a rocket. <laughs> I mean, it burned so fast the ornaments <laughs> fell off and broke on the ground. <laughs> that is we were worried about the power lines <laughs> over the top of it. And Fern goes, oh my gosh, I almost did this in my garage. <laughs> <laughs> that is a true story. See, I told you us gardeners like to test things before we recommend them to you. But the bottom line of that is what Jim's getting at. You better make sure you keep watering that stand because these trees stand. will dry out. Oh, I don't know why. You know how my ma- mind jumps around. But we're talking about live Christmas trees and all, or Christmas trees. You know that, and if y'all are putting up your tree and looking in your live tree and you come across those uh, praying menace egg sacs. Mm-hmm, the cocoons. Yeah, the cocoons. That they're almost like a papery feel, kind of what, light gray. Those are praying mantis eggs, sacks, cocoons, and if you leave them inside, they're going to hatch. Potentially, right there, yeah. Potentially. But don't like trash them or smush them. Just cut them off and take them and put them out in your landscape somewhere. Uh, because I know when we get live Christmas trees in, well, years ago when I was at another at another place, <laughs> and um, they we would go out always, there and make sure yeah, she cut those things we off, would take them off, and so set them out there outside in the shrubs, except for the one. That they said in the break room. Oh, yeah. And they yeah. hatched every day. Oh, yeah. they hatched every day. I've had one come out, you know, had on the desk there, and they hatch. And on you the come desk. in there, and you got 500 little tiny praying <laughs> mantises yeah. all over your desk. It's still yes. kind of creepy. Ours and was then always the Over the block. next couple of days, yeah. they dwindle down because they start eating each other. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's what was happening. We were like, where, if they're dying, where are they? Yeah, no, they were oh, being eaten. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, Ew. Yeah. Some bugs love but bugs. so cute at first, but you could couldn't scoop them up because you'd squish them. They're so you know, small. To scoop. Yeah, so um, now that could be a venture in your house. Maybe that's why the cat's running up and down your tree. They're chasing those little praying mantis. No, they're chasing the squirrel that's in the tree. All right, we'll talk about more than Christmas coming back. Now, back to Mid-South Gardening. Powered by Palladio Home and Garden. On the Mighty 990 and 1079 FM, KWAM. Morning and welcome. Welcome to Mid South Gardening. You're with Veda, Kenneth, and Jim on the chair in front of the TV. Yeah, and if you want to give us a call <laughs> this morning and you're up and uh, you're up and live, Veda. Uh, <laughs> 901-260-5926. And you can always go to the Mighty 990 uh, Facebook page and shoot us a text anytime you want or a comment. Um, um, so uh, you know, we always have these great fun fall memes about fall and all. My cousin posted this one. This was a little different, and I liked it. It's like, fall, where are you at? (laughs) I'm on my way. I had to pick up Summer again. He's drunk in the back seat and smells like pumpkin spice. Oh, Lord, I love (laughs) that. That's what it felt like this week, up and down, up and down. And uh, But I love the weather. I'm not freezing, and it's cool, and so this is great. Well, I've got, uh, and I agree, Veda, you know, mm-hmm. th- but there again, here in the Mid-South, you never know from day to day. Mm-hmm. You just, you don't know from day to day, any day during the year, to be honest yeah. with you. I mean, think about it. What, three weeks ago, we were all lighting our heaters and getting mm-hmm. it ready oh, yeah. to go because... Yeah, it got down to 26. Two weeks ago, yeah, yeah. Jim, 26 degrees, heavy frost mm-hmm. in the morning, and then three days later, it is... It's back in our shorts. Oh, you're back and in your shorts and t-shirt, you know? exactly. Yeah. I was thinking, though, I think it was last night sitting on the patio and the weather's nice and all, that that it seemed like I had been focusing on the weather's not acting right. It's not acting like the season. Instead of focusing on the weather's nice, yeah. 
just be happy that the weather's nice. And we actually have a lot of nice days in Memphis, whether it's a nice sunny day in the winter, a nice fall day in the summer. Yeah. <laughs> it does, and we still have really good days. Well, and I know, Bob, hang on just one second, but I know that, better like where you're coming from, at least we do have season changes, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it would be hard for me, after living here all my life, to say, go to South Florida, right. where you have no fall, no winter to speak mm-hmm. of, or go way up north where you don't have, you know, nice summers. I mean, well, you only have winter. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> and uh-huh. I know we complain, complain, complain about what we have to endure right. here in the Mid-South. I mean, we have the high humidity and we have the fluctuations uh, in temperatures from one extreme to the other. I mean, look what happened last winter. But overall, I still, uh, you know, thinking, or you know, where else... If we went mm-hmm. and didn't have this kind of a you know seasonal change, I'll take this. I know it is a hard decision because I'm trying to end up to be where my son and granddaughter is going to be as the town progresses. But they're not pinned down to Florida either, and we're always debating. I'm like, I want to go to Florida because Florida is nice, and then I go, but I I really like the change of seasons. And my son goes, I want to go because it's change of seasons. I want to go back to the you know Tennessee. And then he's like, but then I like the Florida beach. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. I don't know. It's just good. You just have to be good. Be good. You just have to take to what adapt. it is and love it. Yeah. Let's go to Bob. Good morning, Bob. You're in the Mid-South Garden. Good morning. I have a question. Uh, when do I spray dormant oil on my flower bed? Well, two stipulations, uh, Bob, <laughs> excuse me, when it comes to dormant oil spray. One is, as long as it's not freezing or near freezing within 24 hours, and as long as the temperatures are below 86 degrees, uh, and ideally no rain for 24 hours. So in those uh, credentials or in those sets of rules, uh, you can spray any time. So pretty much any time in the next two weeks. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So should I spray now? Well, you can, absolutely. And the beauty of an oil spray, Bob, whether you're spraying your shrubs, you know, your evergreens your flowers whatever it it is an insecticide it will kill insects that are active but it also coats the tissue and it will help kill the overwintering eggs and larvae that are on there uh i mean i love using oil sprays but you just you know the big thing is you got to be real careful using them when when it's hot uh but like i said as long as it's not freezing or near freezing bob as long as it's below 86 degrees and no rain for 24 hours and all that criteria is right now, this time of year. So any time now, you're fine. So should I spray now and then again in the spring? Absolutely. Yeah, and it if we get some nice weather, 1st of January, I'd consider doing it again because, you know, you get the upside of the insecticide, but also it works as an anti-transpirant so that you don't lose moisture through the winter winds. Mm-hmm. So, um, it you know, I, I do it anytime you've got that little window in there, four to six weeks apart, I'd like to spray. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you very much. We appreciate your program. Hey, Bob, thanks for tuning in this morning. Thanks, Bob. Uh, oil sprays, Veda. I mean, to me, it seems like 10, 15 years ago, oil sprays were, I mean, everybody knew to get out there and spray an oil spray. Yeah, that was just part of the, it was the lawn part care, of it. The, the garden maintenance now, that was on the calendar. Yeah, and, you know, back then there was the old Volk oil, which was that heavy oil mm-hmm. that you had to be really careful with when it came to temperatures. 
Of course, on the market now, you've got these lighter weight oils, these paraffinic oils and these neem oils that, you know, is it, it, they, don't, they don't readily burn the tissue like this old heavy oil used to. Um, so oil sprays are still out there. They're still very effective. And I love the ones that are on the market now compared to those heavier oils that we used to use, you know, years ago. Yeah, a lot of growers now in Middle Tennessee are using them as an in-seasonal, even on, on trees like maples. Uh, because they found that if they spray it, you get less water loss, uh, and it they're not seeing any burn even when you get temperatures over 100. Mm-hmm. So uh, the lighter weight oils have been a real gift to us. Uh, now, the downside is they don't last quite as long right. as some of the old petroleum oils did. You know, we used to do Volk oil spring and fall, you yeah. know, and you could figure it ain't coming off. <laughs> 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 but, you know, the lighter weight ones will, over time, um, just dissipate so you know but they are safer overall absolutely explain kind of like the old oils they were from what derived from petroleum or petroleum petroleum. oils yeah and so now our new oils are more plant-based and uh like like paraffinic oils yeah Mm -hmm. yeah we just come up with new stuff all the time that's great also guys i was talking to um a customer that came into the garden center and they have um a property here in memphis on about 15 acres of Mm -hmm. land okay and they had planted about 30 flats of pansies out there in just these different beds well of course as soon as they get all these beautiful pansies planted that same night here comes the deer herd okay (laughs) oh man and they tore these pansies up i mean ate them up what they didn't eat they were clawing at them throwing them up she said she she said it looked like they picked them up the ones they Uh didn't eat and went and and just laid them in the driveway (laughs) Uh, and it was all 30 flats were just decimated oh my god yeah 30 flats so um, she was like you know what you know next time i'll know better but what Mm -hmm. should i have done and, you know, there's only so many things that a homeowner can do to help protect the, say, in this case, the pansies they put in the, the ground from deer. Um, and I said, you know, one thing I will tell you is there's a product out on the market called Milorganite. Most people mm-hmm. have heard of that really good organic granulated fertilizer. And, but it, and even though it's a fertilizer, it still dubs as a really, really good deer repellent. Mm-hmm. Um, so I said, put down heavy doses of milorganite if you go back out there and replant. She's not going to replant as many, but yeah. replant these pansies. Now, I said, of course, there are other, uh, you know, repellents like the bonide repels all. You can sprinkle that out there. But also, I said, you know, maybe think about putting up a floodlight uh, out there with, with a motion detector. You know, anytime mm-hmm. something walks past, this bright floodlight comes on. I've heard of people, uh, you know, getting um, even transistor radios. Right. Mm-hmm. Say so I had a, and, a, and setting them out mm, there. I had a friend that made a iron person look like an iron person. Yeah. Had <clears throat> lights for big floodlights for eyes. The radio for the stomach. Yeah. And it was it was activated. So if anything walked past it, music would go off. Lights would go. And off. And you know the deer are going to run. They you did, know? and they did. Yeah. So, Neighbors are going to love you. Yeah, and especially <laughs> well, they're on sixteen acres. <laughs> these people. So well, I didn't know they'd put one out. And so I'm walking through the property and it goes off and I look out and it's singing and dancing and lights are flashing. And it was pretty scary for a minute because I did not know it was there. So it worked. Now he's not able to do this and all the hydrangeas and hostas are gone. The oh, deers Lord. just ate them down. And then I know at one time there was these sprinklers you could buy that mm-hmm. were motion detected also. Like when that. something went past it, mm-hmm. the dang thing would start, you know, shooting you with water. Mm-hmm. So, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> um, kept one in my front yard for people that would let their 
dogs go in my yard. Oh, that's a great yeah. idea. <laughs> that is yeah. so funny. But I mean, I like but, but y'all, they were just distraught because they never dreamed, and this is the first time they'd put out that many pansies on this property. And I mean, the next day, these things were just decimated. Well, I had um, one of the things mm. on my list to talk about was, is mill organite and um, all the good properties of it and what it's good for. But I was thinking, mm. too, because it's a good lawn food, flower bed food, and you can put it out like four times a year. If you always have deer problem, maybe just make that your choice of fertilizer for the majority yeah. of the things. And, and let me say this also. You won't find on the label milorganite listed as a deer mm. repellent. Okay, You just yeah. won't. It's not on there. It's all about you know what a wonderful organic fertilizer it is. But if you read about and you know about milorganite and you sowed it as long as we have, Mm-hmm. You know that it is a really, really good deer right. repellent. I'm yeah, telling you. You know, years ago they used to put out a little pamphlet that you could hand out with it that talked about it being a deer repellent. Well, the EPA came down on them and said, "Well, if you're not a fertilizer, if you're a repellent, you mm-hmm. fall under different laws." So they sent out letters, everything said, "Do not recommend this for as a deer repellent. Uh, we are a fertilizer." Mm-hmm. And and then there were an, several universities that tested it for deer and had mm. very good results so once that got published then the epa eased up and said okay you've got information now that backs up what you say yes, but <laughs> you can't put it on the label okay yeah. it's kind of so, like and real quick and i know we gotta go to a break it's kind of like liquid seaweed mm-hmm. you know liquid seaweed has natural arsenic in it we all know right. that right well since it has natural arsenic, has everything practically. You know, arsenic in it, natural arsenic, mm-hmm. they had to take the vegetables off the label. Yeah, it has organic arsenic, which is virtually <laughs> non toxic. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, they, it, it had vegetables on the label for a thousand years. And we eat seaweed. You know, we eat seaweed. But it doesn't it's matter. In, it had right. organic. Uh, arsenic in it so they took the vegetable yeah. label off liquid seaweed it just depends on whose pocket gets the but most Milorganite, money I can on tell what you, goes on the label Milorganite is a good deer repellent I'll tell it you is. and we go into more of that uh, as well but let's go to a break really quick so y'all can give us a call 901-260-5926 in <laughs> here Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Glad y'all can be with us this morning. Okay, so we're doing, uh, working on uh, getting rid of deer. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about milorganite, too, because if you just, if you Google it, you're going to see some things out there that would might discourage you. Uh, one is that, you know, it has heavy metals in it. Well, first of all, all fertilizer has heavy metals. All of it. Doesn't matter what you're using, you know, uh, Organic and organic doesn't matter. It's all got heavy metals in it. For you to get enough, particularly lead and arsenic, out of milorganite hurts you, you would have to remove about a foot of your soil and fill it back with milorganite. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how much <clears throat> it would take for you to reach what the EPA considers toxic toxic amount. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's um, years and years and years ago, there was some, I mean, this goes back 60 years or 70. Yeah. There was some milorganite that most of it was sold to farmers to put on their fields. And some apparently was contaminated with some heavy metals. Uh, and so they did the cleanup, had to take it out. But um, And then there was talk about that 
it was used on practically every major league baseball stadium and golf and, courses and everywhere right. in between. Right. And there seemed to be a higher occurrence of Lou Gehrig's disease among baseball players. And so that they automatically goes, Oh, well it must be the fertilizer. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, they didn't talk about the lead pipes in the stadium, you know, they're pumping mm-hmm. water in. <laughs> um, so, I know. But there was right? no science to back that up. Okay, so what you read out there, if it, it it's just there's no truth in it. Okay, yeah, uh, it's completely safe to use in your vegetable garden. Like I say, it does like all fertilizers it may have some arsenic in it, but it's organic arsenic, not inorganic, which is the one that'll you know make you sleep for a very long time. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. you know, mm-hmm. use uh, it's a great fertilizer, and it really, really is. You now, if you're using it for deer repellent. Don't just treat your flower beds. Treat the area that's 20 feet outside of Mm -hmm. that. You want them to smell it before they get to lunch. Mm -hmm. Okay? Yeah. So treat a wide path. If you've got woods nearby you, broadcast it all across your property line and around the woods there so that they come into that and then they... Yeah. We'll leave, hopefully. Well, and let, (laughs) let me say this also. There is no repellent that's on the market that's 100% effective against every critter that you want to use it against every time you use it. And if they're hungry, you know, if the if it's, you know, you've got snow or ice right. for a while, I've seen them nibble on boxwood, yeah. you know, and I can't even walk in the, a nursery that, you know, out at 64, when they put the plastic on, they yeah. have a boxwood house. I can't go in there. Yeah, me either. <laughs> you know? And normally they wouldn't touch it. Right. You it know? just, it has an odor that I find very offensive. Mm-hmm. So, um well, that's, oh, the boxwoods has the odor that yeah, you don't... Yeah, it wasn't yeah. me. Okay, right. it was a boxwood. <laughs> and, and, and I'll say this. It, to me, it smells like cat urine. Yeah, that's, people that's say that's that good, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. I don't get that. But like the good thing, but so paper whites think, people think that smells like cat urine, and I don't. So it just kind of depends on... I love the way the, they smell. Well, right. And just like the uh, the oriental lilies or the, um, uh, you know, the stargazers that people bring indoors that are blooming, mm-hmm. you know, they have that high, high, high fragrance also, a very sweet smell. Some people hate the way right. they smell, but I'm telling you, you go online right now mm-hmm. and you Google, what do paper whites smell like? I know, it and does, you they get say that. so many different, <laughs> I mean, comments on it. Some people say rotten cabbage and it's uh-huh. on and on and on and on, where to me it smells kind of like a gardenia. Right. You know, yeah. and, and some people like, they can't have them in the house, they just well, you said that. luckily animals... Uh, keep the same smell the same thing like like for instance the millorganite is is uh processed waste from Milwaukee. Uh, from Milwaukee and so that smell is of human which is what deters a deer thinking Plus, humans around when we're talking about animals deer and dogs and things like that they have tens yeah. of thousands more sensory organs in their nose mm-hmm. than we do yeah you know? right right so they're very sensitive to this but stuff. let me mm-hmm. say this on the mm-hmm. flip side of that is if you do use a product like milorganite and you're trying to use it as a great organic fertilizer but also you're going to repel deer well if you've got a black lab running around he will go wallow <laughs> in it and he'll eat the bag before you can turn yeah, around i got black lab stories so mm. it can detract <laughs> dogs so there's always a flip side to every good story right yeah yeah but the dogs are easier to control than the deer i mean the dog might roll on the plant but the deer is going to eat everything down to a nub but uh yeah because like the millorganite is a great fertilizer it's natural sure of course it has so many, I mean, it has really the pet repelling properties, a slow-release fertilizer, mm-hmm. uh, 
good source was, of nitrogen. Yeah, yeah, iron. It's got iron, mm-hmm. and it's non-staining iron mm-hmm. also. So uh, I think that's something y'all should really throw into your mix of fertiliz- fertilizers, <clears> especially <throat> if you're having the deer problem. Well, let, let me ask you all this. Now, we touched on bulbs here for a second. How do you feel about planting bulbs now at Thanksgiving, as warm as it's been? I mean, typically, historically, Jim, and, you know, by, by that time, you know, we do start getting cooler temperatures in and the soil temperatures tend to stay cool, cool yeah. enough to wear the bulbs. And, and I measured them this week in the sun. The soil temperature mm-hmm. at three inches deep was 64 and a half mm-hmm. degrees, and it was 59.4, I think, in the shade at three mm-hmm. inches deep. Yeah. So, so still, it's still very warm. It is. I always it is. just keep waiting. You know. Definitely keep waiting. Because that's what we say in the Mid-South. You can't, can't go, really go by, by a date anymore. Because <laughs> yeah. normally we would say, oh, it's after Thanksgiving. Make sure you invite your family over so they can help you plant all your bulbs. But but now we still have two more weeks till Thanksgiving. But the weather yeah. doesn't look like it's going to get cold Yeah, but you could also the plant them just a little deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so, I mean, I, I still think we're going to be perfectly fine, Jim and Veda, doing it around that time frame, unless it's 88 degrees and it's been mm-hmm. that way for the last two weeks, you know? I still just wait till like January all the time you to can. plant my tulips. <laughs> yeah. Everything mm-hmm. else, I'm like, okay, maybe after Thanksgiving, but tulips, I always wait till January, just because you got to keep them chilled for at least six weeks anyway, consistent chilled, not well, up and down chilled. And, and normally a lot of times when you plant your bulbs, most of them do need a good chilled to really bloom well the next spring, Well, typically our winters normally do that for us. But like Veda's talking about, she's going to do it artificially. She'll buy her tulips, Jim, and put them in the refrigerator, leave them in there for a month or five to six weeks, and then she'll go out and plant them. Yeah. So you can do it either way. But that's a great question. I, I If it was me, I, I think I'd just go ahead and stick them in the ground. Yeah, well, if it's 80 degrees, I wouldn't want to wait anyway until it gets cooler. Right. I mean, I'm just not going to go out there and do it. Right. <laughs> we know something's better on the way. Well, guys, we know uh, coming up in the next hour and probably in the next five or ten minutes, we're going to have some members of the Memphis Area Master Gardener program up here. Uh, Jan Dickey, who is the president of the Memphis Area Master Gardeners, and maybe uh, Kim Lane will be up here. And, of course, Jamie, he's watching over all of us uh, and his wife, Jan. But uh, we're going to talk about the Memphis Area Master Gardener calendar. And I'm not just saying this to be saying it, guys. It's kind of like the old Mid-South Garden Guide in a small version. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it really is... And we'll talk about why, wow. but it really is the calendar to have. And it is available now. Yes. yes. I saw Jamie standing in the doorway showing pictures. I worked so hard not to lose my attention by <laughs> looking at it. You so did well. I can't wait. And if y'all look at us on Facebook Live, we'll show you some of the pictures. Yeah. We'll be right back. 260-5926. You're listening to KWAM. The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, Mid-South Gardeners, and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. You're with Veda and Kenneth and, and Jim. He ran for a minute. But, <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah. And we've uh, got uh, Miss Kim and Miss um, Jan up here with us, uh, ladies from the uh, Memphis Area Master Gardener Program, and they are here to specifically talk about this wonderful calendar yeah. I've been bragging about. And I about. said if y'all are on Facebook Live and you're looking now, I'll show pictures. Let me 
me too, right here. Right. See, I forgot. How come you're not showing the pictures? But I forget we're in delay here. Um, First one on the front page is a a bee bomb. Yeah, I'm, it's a bud. Yeah, a bud or a bug. Bug. Or a flower, a bug yeah. With a bug, <laughs> a bug a bee, with a, a bug. bee bomb bud. That's bug. A bee yeah. bomb bug bug. There you go. <laughs> but like I said, they um, we're okay. you know we're we're lucky enough to have these young ladies up here with us from the Memphis Area Master Gardener Program. And Jan Dickey, uh, the president uh, of the Memphis Area Master Gardeners, and uh, Miss Kim here, uh, who is a wonderful friend of all of ours, because she is the sister of Jan. That's my claim to fame. Yes, and, uh, it is. Jamie's sister-in-law. Yes, yeah. so w- wonderful things. All right, guys, getting into it. This calendar, um, like I said a while ago before we went to break, to me this is like the small version of the old Mid-South Garden Guide. Uh, and I was talking to a lady, and we'll get into this later on in the show, but I was talking to a lady the other day at the Garden Center, and she is a Memphis— uh, in, still is and was a Memphis Area Master Gardener. And she said the whole concept of the Memphis Area Master Gardener program, and Jen, you've said this before, is education. Absolutely. I mean, that's just, that's the bottom line. That's what all this is all about, is passing along information to all the consumers out there. No, it's not. It's about showing their pictures (laughs) all. (laughs) So, Jen, what about, kind of give us a uh, kind of a rough draft of the Memphis Area Master Gardener program as a whole, but then specifically getting into the calendar, you know. Okay. Memphis Area Master Gardener's specific goal is community involvement, community sharing, community teaching, mm. uh, which naturally includes education. Yeah. Um, any horticultural-related subject we're all about. We're about getting to organizations, to groups, to teams, to Whoever wants to learn more, we want to share what we've learned. And as well, we always have the need to learn more. And, and so. to me, it's, it's just wonderful people that are involved every from top to bottom, I'm telling you. And if someone wanted to, and they're listening to this, and they say, you know what? You know, I love gardening, but I want to learn more. Uh, what could they do or what should they do if they ever want to become a Memphis Area Master Gardener? In July, usually around the 1st of July, uh, applications are available either at the gardening office, which is Building B at the Ag Center, right. or at libraries or online. You can go to our website, download an application, fill it out, turn it in. And what is the deadline, if you'll mind me asking, for being trying to be in the classes for the next year? You mentioned July. Right. right. Uh, I it, mean, it varies. I want to say July 31. First, usually, but it does vary from year to year. It's a short period of time right. because I can say we have an overwhelming number of applicants. And there's well, only so many people you can get in exactly, there every year. Exactly. This past year, we, we just had our orientation for our 2024 class this past Saturday. Uh, we had over 80 applicants, closer to 90. We accepted 45. Right. How, and, how and, did y'all ever get up to maybe having 80, like doing larger classes? Because I know there's so many people for so many years that's really been wanting to do it. Right. I was just wondering if we, if that would be a possibility to make it bigger. We, <laughs> yeah, well, we they have tried do, that no. in the past. We've uh-huh. tried having a day class and a night class. That's right, yeah. However, reality is... The people mm-hmm. we bring in to do the lectures, to do the teaching, 
a lot of them from are from out of town. Right. Yes. And a lot of them work hard. for the university and they have other commitments. So to yeah. get two back to back mm-hmm. is kind of tough. And then to separate yeah. two outs even tougher. Right. So, I guess there's no places big enough to have a bigger right, audience or right. a bigger spot. We have had larger classes in the past, mm-hmm. but after the pandemic and everything mm-hmm. was pared down. We yeah. still have to follow the rules and regulations of the Ag Center as to how many people we can ah, have. Ah, yeah, because that was a common question that I had yeah. had in the past couple of years is why can't we just have bigger classes instead right. of turning people away? Right. And I was like, well, we'll find out. And, and the reason I wanted Jen to bring this, I mean, to talk about this also mm-hmm. is because last year I had a customer come into the garden center and she had applied to be a Memphis Area Master Gardener or go into the program. And she said, and I was rejected. And I went, no, you're not. Yeah, not re- no, one, no one has ever rejected. <laughs> right. you might, they might not have had enough room that particular mm-hmm. year for you to get in that class. But if you just resubmit the next year, but do within Absolutely. the time frame Absolutely. that Jan's talking mm-hmm. about, you know, you got a good chance of getting in. But no one has <laughs> ever rejected from the program. I wanted everybody to know that. That's great. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you because I interview uh, the potential applicants, you know, mm-hmm. for the class as well. And it's it's an amazing system, but you know how life is. Sometimes you wake up on the wrong side of the bed. You may have a bad interview. Right. And That's right. So we always say, please come back. Yeah. Please try again yeah. and volunteer. That's that's our key word. Volunteer everywhere you can, anything. Try new things. Find out what you like, mm-hmm. what you don't like. But volunteer and then put that on your application yeah, and yeah. get it back to us because that, that's what we do. That's our mm-hmm. whole mission. And, and what about, uh, and of course we're talking about mostly adults here, what about the kids involved? I mean, because y'all also try to get, you know, the not only the adults out there, but the kids involved. Right. We have a program called Junior Master Gardeners, formerly called Plant Camp that we do in June that gets the kids involved. It's a wonderful program, a week-long camp. At the Ag Center and the kids, it, it's phenomenal. We've got go to the website, look at the pictures. It's mm-hmm. it's great. Well, I'm gonna tell you, I went to the web page the other night because I was just making a few uh, notes about this wonderful calendar y'all come out with every year, and it's easy to navigate that web page. I'm just telling you, I mean, and it it's it just is. It's a perfect web page in my opinion. Yeah, we we completely redid it this past year. Right, so we're very right. pleased. With well, it. Um, well, job well done, my dear. I'm telling you. And constant updates. I made a comment the other night is, please, I get used to it. Don't update it again, mm-hmm. you know. But but we have new things coming on. We started a lot of new programs this year. We're really proud of some of the advancements that we've made. And so every time we make an improvement or bring something new, we've got to adjust the web page uh, exactly. to reflect it. So. And I also noticed on that same web page where you had Chris's Corner right. on there. And we all right. know Chris Cooper, who is a wonderful uh, fella, um, and that was really good to see that on there. And then also the podcast uh, or the radio. Uh, what is the other the show that I'm talking about? WKNO. You mean us? Oh no, oh, family, oh, family, 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 yeah. Uh, you know that was on there also, oh, yeah. and you can go in there and listen to the different uh, podcast, uh, you know, of previous uh, episodes. So. Even seeing just those two on there. Yeah, th- and look, there's the picture of the spotted lantern. There it yeah. is, right. Because it's so beautiful. You uh, got it. Oh, absolutely. Y'all, y'all, I have not been on here in a couple of months since you've updated it. I love it. 
It's great. It is great. We also have something that very few people know about, but we have a YouTube channel. Did not know that. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Memphis Area Master Gardeners just just uh, search that on YouTube, and some of our like our Master Gardener Presents program, yeah. some of our lectures. Uh, if you want just some education, you can go to YouTube and pull that up as well. Oh, that's fine. So, golly, Veda, we got some homework to do. I mean, the calendar itself is almost you could you could call the calendar enough. We have people that come back every year. Wanting it for the stocking stuffer. I mean, my mother, she always gave me a calendar for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And um, so I expect to get a calendar. And it's got to be this one. And uh, so that's a good thing to put on your Christmas list if you want to. You know, it fits in a stocking perfectly. <laughs> and then plus. <laughs> yes, it does. It's like a gift that keeps on giving because they get to use it every single month. And I use it every single month and um, because it's got all of the um, things to do on the side. Well, and it's got like all of the times the societies and things meet, plus all the information like the websites to everything, extension, public gardens, horticulture societies, farmers markets, you know, so it's really well thought out y'all. well and like i said it's like the small version of the mid-south garden guide and to me that was the gardener's yeah. bible so right it is and a it, great gift for a new neighbor yeah. oh very good yes, yes. housewarming you're right it is somebody who's mm. new to the memphis area well i know we're oh, going to go to a break um, <laughs> yeah. and when we get back we're going to get more into what's in this calendar this must-have calendar and also, you know, where we can find the calendar, uh, can we order it from the webpage, uh, of course, the independent garden centers. But we'll get more into that uh, when we come back from the message. From the break. We'll be right back. Give us a call if you have questions for Master Gardeners. We'd love to hear them. 260-5926. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. We are here talking about the Memphis area, area Master Gardeners um, that are here with us this morning. Kim and Kim and Jane. Yep. Kim and Jane. Jan. 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 That's okay. I will always remember you. Drop the E there, Miss Beta. Drop the E, Jan. <laughs> thank y'all for being here with us this morning. And uh, we're just admiring the beautiful pictures. And also, can I say this, Beta? Yeah, go um, ahead. When I was looking on the Memphis Area Master Gardener uh, webpage the other night, and I was reading about the calendar, because it is a big deal to me every year this thing comes out. Uh, and it's a lot of work in, uh, involved in this thing. It, it, I mean, there's so much information in here. I don't know how y'all do it, but we thank you for doing it, because like Beta was saying a while ago, on every month, it's got all the, uh, the things that we should be thinking about and should be doing. Uh, and then the beautiful pictures in there. So I'm saying it's stocked full of information. Y'all do an unbelievable job in getting all that in this calendar. But also some of the articles that are in here. And this is just, I'm not going to say them all just yet, but we'll go over some more of these articles later on in the show. But the first one I came across, and, and Jamie over here would love this, is the, the tomato, the heart of the garden. Uh, and, you know, anytime I start talking about tomatoes, I just I get all gooey-eyed, I'm telling you, because that's how much I love them. Uh, and then another one was uh, the flowering plants of Shelby County, uh, the experts' uh, favorite plants, uh, of course, deer-resistant plants. We were talking about how deer were eating this, uh, these, this lady's uh, pansies up this morning. And, you know, if you have a heavy infestation or a heavy presence of deer, it's good to know which plants are going to be out there that are going to be deer-resistant. 
Uh, and then, of course, invasive house or invasive plants. Uh, and we always talk about that around here. I mean, sometimes you go out and buy a plant, and it looks so simple in that little six-inch pot. And you stick that thing in the ground, and then, you know, two years later, you're wondering, why did I plant kudzu around my front, in front of my house? Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's crazy how a lot of these plants are invasive that we don't realize they are. So those are just a few of the articles that are in this calendar and I just thought that was really neat. Those are actually online. This year's calendar well, they're has online. Different I mean, that's what I mean, online. Yeah. But to me, it was still part of the information exactly. I was looking They've at the calendar. Exactly. They've been in past calendars. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, just a job well done, guys. Now, what about uh, the calendar? It usually costs about $20, I think. And I think it's $20 right. online, isn't it? Right. And then as far as where we can find this calendar. Uh, oh. Other than the independent garden centers, Palladios, I know, Dan West Garden Center. Right. Uh, wild and birds, small yeah. Wild birds, Inc. Yeah, Dabney, uh, yes. Urban Earth, Urban mm-hmm. Gardener. Yes, Novel Bookstore, Urban Earth, Memphis mm-hmm. Botanic. Mm-hmm. So I mean, just the normal hangouts. The normal hangouts <laughs> as well. You can buy them online. Uh, shipping is free. Mm-hmm. We would like to mention in the shipping for some reason there was there's a little snafu <laughs> in that. If you buy two calendars, Mm -hmm. it costs us more to ship two than it would be if we ship one at the time. Wow. Okay. So what we have decided to do, because this is one of our big fundraisers for the year, is ship each calendar individually. You can buy 100 calendars. But it's cheaper to get them individual. But it'll be one at the time, which means anyone that knows our post office, oh, yeah. you may get one today and one a week from now. That's right. So we just want you to know that in in advance. And if you need them, just go by our office. Mm-hmm. Our office is in Building B on the ground floor at the Ag Center. Mm-hmm. You'll see our sign and our wonderful new flower bed that we got going this year yeah. right outside the office. <clears throat> so you can go in there. Calendars are available. You can purchase them and walk out with them. Yeah. And like we said, and also the independent garden centers, you know, right. wonderful. Absolutely. And, you know, they've got them stocked up now. Right. Now, as far as these calendars, you know, I know that they're only available to retail outlets, including Palladio and Dan West, for only so long as far as when we can purchase them from y'all. Now, we can carry them over and sell them even in February. Mm-hmm. But as far as when it, I mean, isn't there just a date of when we can get these calendars for it's sale? December 8th. December 8th is the cutoff day. the last day. time we can sell them to you. And that's it's crazy. I mean, is that because But of you some... can go at the no, garden centers and buy them after yes. December. Right. Right. Yeah, okay. It's a issue with sales tax and, and uh, our, our allowed uh, it's period of time laws. that we can do uh, right. selling. <laughs> yeah, all those nice laws. So yeah. it's more of the nonprofit sales right. tax yes. Regulations. Yeah, we're allowed two uh, 30-day periods a year, so we do our spring fling, and then we have our calendars. 30, two 30-day periods a year. Right. That we can make money. Right. That's, that's it. Okay. Exactly. That's in for another show. <laughs> <laughs> have wow. someone else on that time. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, and I know no. a lot of people, you know, they do have their plant sales every year and so forth. Um, you know, and y'all have spring fling. But I still think this calendar uh, is the best way to go because there again— to me, it's all about the information. Uh, and, you know, if you know if you know what to do, when to do, how to do, you would typically enjoy it 
whatever you're doing much more than I'm mm-hmm. a guess at this. I'm a kill this, and this is not going to work. Right. You well, know? Uh-huh. I'm sitting there reading through some of these, going, "We have one of those. There's a club for that. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm calling them. There's yeah. And, yeah. And, and, it's and amazing. It. Yeah. And Jan Veda <laughs> made the comment before we went to the break about how uh, not only is the wonderful information in there month by month and all the wonderful information that's on the webpage we're talking about, these articles, is also there, there are quite a few different societies here in Memphis, gardening right. societies, whether it's the Hort Society, the Hosta Society, the Daily Lee Society, on and on and on. But those are also listed in there as far as when their meetings are. And I'm like, how much more can you cram into this calendar, all this good information? I don't think there's a space that y'all haven't used, you know? So uh-huh. my hats are off to you, I promise you that. Thank you, thank you. Well, we have, we have to make that big decision every year. The uh, calendar committee meets, and we talk about oh, what are the trends going to be next year, and and what's the mm-hmm. issue? What are the issues we're facing? Like this past year with all the devastation in our mm-hmm. gardens and the the heat, the excessive heat. So we kind of focused on um, the new heat zone labeling mm-hmm. and the heat tolerant plants and planting living walls. So. Yeah, there's a lot of thought put into it, and and all the like plants. Because you're are, trying to think into the future. What exactly. what is in hold for next year? You right. know? and then make sure that y'all incorporating that somehow in this wonderful calendar here. It's done several months ahead. Mm-hmm. And, and then also one thing. Let me say this real quick: are the pictures that are in there. Uh, every month, there's a picture taken that was submitted by someone that lives here in the mid south. Okay, Master Gardeners. Yeah, absolutely. And y'all go in there and pick and choose and get, you know, what you think are the top 12. And I know that's got to be a lot of fun for people to submit these pictures and hope that they're going to get into this calendar. And if you don't get in this year, you can take a picture every year for the rest of your life. Sooner or later, you will probably get into that calendar. But, uh, and on the back, it, it, it tells, uh, you know, what the picture is. And, of course, the people or whoever the person that took the picture. And to me, that's got to be just some really, really pretty cool bragging rights, you know. Yeah, like say, for instance, right now, if I wanted to know what I could do in my vegetable garden in November, I can find out right here. It tells me what months to do what, uh, what I can plant, and um, that's just too easy. This is too easy. <laughs> well, <laughs> Actually, I don't have to read every seed packet. You know, and I think yeah, because like one of them in December, turnips. Mm-hmm. You can do turnips. You can well, harvest them in the December, whole yeah. I mean, it's got everything yeah, it's you everything. need. So if y'all want to start doing it, I know a lot of people are into vegetable garden, and one of the things that they're frustrated with is the timing and how and when. And I've always liked the way y'all had it laid out. It's been pretty easy to understand because it gives you information in so many directions that you can come up with the proper answer. All right, guys, we got about two more minutes. Is there anything else that we need to know that we haven't gone over yet? Of course there is. (laughs) (laughs) If you look on the back of the calendar, you were mentioning how did we get so much information in the calendar? Well, we didn't get everything in there. So you have a website on the back of the calendar that once you purchase this, you go to this website and there are additional articles as well. So there's a lot more out there that's made available to you because if we put everything in here, we'd eventually have to put wheels on it so you could tow it around. (laughs) We couldn't hang it on the wall. Then it would be that big book. Yeah, Yeah, so they're trying to, but that's that's great to know, and it gives you all the contact. I mean, you can go back there. It's right there on the back of this calendar, and there it is. If I want to read my calendar, read everything that's in there, and also get more information that's online, it clearly states exactly where to go on the back of the calendar. Correct. Well, next year, I think me and Vade and Jim are going to submit pictures. And just for fun, just for fun. Yeah. And, (laughs) and just see 
how they react when mine gets admitted into next year's oh, calendar. We love it. We come on. on. Oh, oh, we love it. Fun. Well, that would be for fun. Yeah, you should be, join it? us when we sit and look at all the photos. Man, that, come that would be so hard to choose. It's very hard. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. Y'all are wonderful. Is there anything else that we need to know, uh, or we can keep you up here another? You know, we can keep you up here for another hour if you want to stay. Mm-hmm. We can talk all day. We have plenty to say. We got a lot of things going on coming we'll up. What, things come up. Master when we go Gardner to presents. the break here in a minute, mm-hmm. we'll get the. Can we get y'all back for fifteen more minutes just to sure. keep you here for a minute? Yeah, that'd and go be fine. over some of these other things. Okay, and talk about the calendar maybe just a little bit more. We can do it. Well, now, if y'all want to call in and ask questions. Give us a call, 901-260-5926, or you can post the questions on Facebook Live. We'll be right back. Good morning, good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Garden. Glad y'all can be with us this morning. We've got the uh, Mid-South Master Gardeners up here giving us information on the Master Gardeners uh, side and everything that they do and also on our Master Garden calendar. And someone had just called and had a question about their zone and if this calendar would work in their zone. And my thing was the information is really um, for the Mid-South area, like y'all are saying. And this lady was, what, Coastal, Mid-South? Coastal? Yeah, it was uh, Lauren uh, Slayton. Uh, she texted in on the Mighty 990 Facebook page or the Mid-South Gardening. Mm-hmm. Um, she said, uh, tuning into the calendar conversation late, is it relevant to all of the zones you discuss usually are just Memphis? Specifically, thinking it would be a good Christmas present for me uh, here in Coastal Zone 8B. Yeah, look think, on ladies? the website and check out and see, because uh, it's close, you know. The information is really good, but I don't know. You know, like the plants are a little different. Um, of course, the hardiness would be different. Hardy, yeah, hardiness would be a little different. One of my concerns, too, coastal, would be the salinity issue. Mm-hmm. You know, salt-tolerant plants, we don't traditionally deal with that. Yeah. And oddly enough, uh, I have one of the people that I've worked with over the years came from Chicago, mm-hmm. and I posed the question to him. My brother lives coastal, and I wanted to get him a palm tree. Right. And he started talking about salinity <clears throat> issues because Chicago has snow, mm-hmm. so they put salt on the streets. Oh. So you don't think of that, but mm-hmm. it, yeah. in on the coast, that to me that would be a big issue. We killed quite a few pine uh, palm mm-hmm. trees before mm-hmm. we got the right one. Right? So. Yeah. So don't plant your palm in the street in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, where there, it you salt. Uh, there you go. There you go. You do have to exactly. watch that. Yeah. Sometimes people's natural their water system has a little extra salt in it too oh, yeah. right so, right uh, there's always something right. uh dealing with gardening isn't there well, right. i appreciate the text from lauren uh down in coastal 8b but yeah i mean the calendar's great is the information is still there and a lot of the concepts are good whether we're down there or whether we're up here but like veda and you were saying it could be a little different specifically when it comes to the zone right uh, as far as the hardiness right yeah. All right, then um, let's go ahead and uh, do we have some more questions for before we take a caller? 
You want to get that going? All right, let's go to Linda. Good morning, Linda. You're in the Mid-South Garden. Good morning. I want to know what I can do now to ensure good health for my garden through the winter and then in the spring. I have uh, nandinas, hostas, azaleas, and, uh, hydrangeas, and a couple evergreen uh, trees. I just want to give them a good start through the winter and spring. And Hey, Linda, Veda uh, yeah. was messing with me. <laughs> the very start of that question, could you repeat the very beginning of that question? I apologize just one more time. What can I do to ensure good health for my plants through the winter and then into the spring. Yeah, and whether it's, um, you know, well, one thing it just comes down to just basic mulch. I mean, I always like to make sure that I have the root system of my shrubs and my perennials, even the annuals, uh, insulated, and that's just by putting a good layer of mulch down. Uh, Secondly is, um, you know... know, Compost. Compost is good to go down. Root stimulators. If anything was under stress, that's when you may want to do root stimulators and all uh, the mulch, of course, not very deep. Um, also prepping, make sure there's nothing like packed around the base of your plants. You know, like a lot of times we have mulch around them or leaves too much into the crown. So make sure that's mm-hmm. not in there. But mostly root stimulators, compost, and a little mulch. Uh, don't prune any everything down to the ground. You know, some things you can wait on on pruning. Yeah, and when it comes to the perennials, Linda... You know, a lot of those are dying back naturally now anyway. And uh, some people will go out there this time of year and go ahead and cut them back to clean them up, if you will. Or like Veda always does, she'll go out there in the early spring and really cut them back and clean them up at that point. But when it comes overall to, uh, to the winter, really just a good layer of mulch on that root system to insulate those roots in case we have another, you know, crazy winter like we always do. All right, that's helpful. What about plant tones? About plant zones? Tone. No, plant tone. Yeah, plant, plant, oh, plant. yes, yes. Plant tone is definitely a good one to use because it has everything in it that you need, and it doesn't adjust the pH, you know, to, to anything. So it's just a good neutral one. And, and keep in mind, Linda, also, if you put an organic fertilizer down this time of year, like the plant tone, which is perfect to use, uh, the soil has to break that product down before it's available to the plant. And that's the beauty of it. It's not going to force growth this late in the year uh the roots will absorb it so it's still there it's still feeding the microbes that are in the soil so it'll really pay benefits for you for the next growing season but you don't want to use a fertilizer that's going to promote a lot of growth this late in the year and plant right i wouldn't. understand that from right. uh, your wisdom all through the years thank but you. i thank you all right thank thanks. you i appreciate it thanks for the call that was a great question thanks right. linda Okay, so back to our calendar. Now, the places you can go get them is independent garden centers. Uh, where were some other places? Right. Novel Bookstore, Urban Earth, uh, Urban Gardener, mm-hmm. or a few, of course, yeah. Palladio. Wild and, and Wild Birds. Wild Birds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and Dan West Palladios, you know, we have mm-hmm. them. All right, overall, guys, uh, the, the Memphis Area Master Gardeners, what else do we need to know? Is there anything that we need to know when we walk out of here today about the organization, what should we be doing, what can we be doing um, as far as, you know, whether we want to become a member, whether we want to volunteer, like you were talking about earlier, Jan, anything in particular that we need to know beforehand? 
Well, we're starting to put out Save the Date cards for our Master Gardener Presents, which comes up February the 17th this year. It's going to be a great thing. We're expecting a sellout. So uh, you can go on the MOSH website and pre-order tickets for this event. First time that's ever happened. We are actually having it at Lichterman this year. Uh, So we've got two phenomenal speakers, Jared Barnes, Professor Jared Barnes from uh, Texas. And he has podcasts. He has newsletters. He's He's got a hand in everything. He's marvelous. Check him out beforehand, and that'll get you really excited. We also have another speaker, Jason Powell, who owns his own nursery in Birmingham, Alabama, called Petals from the Past. Mm. And we actually took a road trip down to his nursery and fell in love with the guy. He is so into everything. He just, his, his nursery is little vignettes, so you can see actually how it grows yeah. in a setting yeah. like your own. <clears throat> he has educational programs monthly at his nursery. He has children's programs a lot, trying to get the children's involved. So those <clears throat> are our two speakers, as well as we're going to have a plant sale. We're going to allow Jason to bring plants yeah. from his nursery. So if you want to go on Petals from the Past, look at his nursery, uh, if there's something in particular you want, you can email Petals from the Past, and he'll have it here for you for the sale. So that's one big one. Uh, then we have Spring Fling, always Spring Fling, our other really big two-day event uh, in March, I believe I think it was. It the 22nd was and the 23rd. 22nd and 23rd, as posted in the calendar. Yes, ma'am. Uh, it's going to be big. We've got, of course, speakers continually throughout both days. We have Garden Jumble where you can get some really good deals, some unusual pieces. Uh, we have vendors there. We have demonstrations going. and A plant sale. And the pl- oh, of course, Kim. <laughs> <laughs> Kim's in charge of the plant sale. Yes. Absolutely. But it's plants grown by and donated to the sale by our own members. So they're all uh, Memphis area master gardener grown plants. Boy, I tell you what, y'all um, hit the ground running, don't you? We, we're ready. Every we're day. Ready. And uh, so, yeah, come out for both of those two events. And then, of course, as the year goes on, everybody knows the tomato contest in July. And uh, Tog. And Tog. Oh, and I can't believe it. My yard's on Tog this year, so y'all come on out. It's going to be great. June the 1st. June the 1st. It'll Mm be uh, gardens are featured in Collierville. So, of course, being in Collierville, we'll have the Collierville Victory Garden is one of the sites, which is a premier place to go, guys. It's it's really nice. Well, you know, Jan, with her her yard being on the tour, uh, I know how people are. I mean, you got a (laughs) deadline, so I'm sure you've got a lot of stuff you want to do. But between here and then. I bought a pop-up greenhouse. Just yeah, for yeah. this, so yeah, we're going, and for and for Kim's plant sale, I got her tons of plants started. So yeah, we're we're good. See, we're gardeners good. always have something to do. We always have something to look forward to, and I think that's what's so great about gardening. Mm-hmm. There's the people, something to look forward to, and the change of season. No doubt mm-hmm. about it. Well, ladies, we thank y'all. We can't thank y'all enough for coming up here and sharing your information, and also uh, for bringing us a copy of this wonderful calendar. Y'all do great work. We brag about you every chance we get. 
And if we can ever do anything for y'all, y'all be sure to let us know. We certainly will. Thank you for having us. All right. We're going to run to another break. And if y'all want to give us a call, 260-5926, we can answer your gardening questions there. Or you can post them on Facebook Live. We'll be right back. Good morning, gardeners, and welcome back to the Mid-South Gardening. Glad y'all could be with us today. So, um, everybody's still downstairs having a good time, and I'm up here holding the mic down. So, who knows what we're going to talk about now. And we were having to send them out the front door. (laughs) Screaming. Okay. Give it away. Yes, I was up here panically screaming. Y'all, we're on. We're on. I can't talk about myself. Hurry. But if you want to give okay. us a call this morning, 901-260-5926. 901-260-5926. You can also shoot us a text on the Mighty 990 uh, Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening in USDA Zone 6, 7, and 8. And Lauren uh, Slayton, uh, one of the texters that texted in this morning, um, and she wanted to know about... Um, you know the mm-hmm. g- growing growing stuff in zone eight B. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, so she said, "Can we put compost down now in late fall?" Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. See, because see, a lot of the principles are the same. What the biggest difference is the plants you grow um, is really the biggest difference. And then you know, of course, our the plants you grow are because of the zone you're in. But always, you should still do mulching. You should still do compost, add natural products to your soil, you know, anything you can do to enhance the soil. And especially if you're adding natural products now, um, it's going to stay in the soil. And then next spring when the plant starts wanting the food, it's immediately available because you put compost down. Is there a bad time to put compost down? I would say never. Ever. Unless you have too much. (laughs) In fact, a lot of people, if they want to rebuild their soil, especially Mm -hmm. in their beds where they have established plants, and you can't go in there and dig all the plants out and start over, one of the easiest and best ways to do it is to put a layer of compost down Mm -hmm. before you put your mulch down. Yeah. So you're building that soil back every year. Now, remember last weekend we were talking about should you remove your old mulch before mm-hmm. you put down new mulch? And there were some arguments that were surely against, I mean, for move, removing yeah. the old mulch. I never have done it, but I have gone in there and just roughed it up really good, loosened it up before yeah. I put a light layer of mulch down. But I'm telling you, also putting compost down on top of any old tired mulch will help break that mulch mm-hmm. down also. Yeah, yeah. So if your mulch is just laying there on top of your soil, not breaking down. Old mulch. Old yeah. mulch, yeah. Then you should uh, chop it up a little bit, add some compost to help that old mulch break down. And then you could add some new mulch on top. But remember, you know, mulch is covering the soil, but it's not supposed to smother your plants. And I do see it, um, you know, six inches, eight inches, ten inches high even, mm-hmm. and all of that. So, um <clears throat> You know, a couple of inches is fine. And then the next question is, and Lauren, thank you for that text, is do you have a preference on what compost typically that you would put mm-hmm. down, whether it's a vegetable bed, flower bed, or even a shrub bed, right. Veda? I mean, because there's you so know, many compost there products are. on the market. And I've always done, I've never stuck with just one kind because every type of compost has different blends of micronutrients. It's gotten its nutrients from other things. And you're always wanting to have a little bit of everything in your soil. So if I'm not doing a soil test to see exactly what I need, 
And usually you don't need, if you're always using natural products, you don't mess with your pH or your minerals so much. The natural products just always keep it in there. So I'll go one time black cow manure, another Mm, time back to nature blend, another time chicken manure, another time earth mix. Yeah. Just something in there that's going to give nutrition to it. So instead of just having one that you go to, Mm -hmm. you don't mind just mixing it up from time to time. Right. Just because I used black cow and had great results doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that I can't use back to nature blend, which is the cotton burr blend, the next time I put a compost down. Right, right, exactly. And sometimes it's what was on sale this week, you know. (laughs) That kind of thing rules, too. But a lot of times, though, maybe if you've got specialty plants that you're working with, then you might want to uh, maybe choose something that's more beneficial for that type of plant. But typically, just compost in general is going to be good. Yeah. So we appreciate the text from Lauren on the Mighty 990 Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening. Um, I know we got to go to a break here in a minute, y'all, but I had a customer come into the garden center, and we talk about this all the time, and I just want to bring it back up because it happens in real life. And a customer came in and bought 50 pounds of annual rye uh, about a month ago, three to four weeks ago. And we know how fast annual rye germinates and how easy it is to grow just annual rye. Um, but he went out there uh, three or four weeks ago, put the annual rye down. He came back in the other day. And this is only the first time that he's ever done it. This is a new place for him. And he said that, um, I just didn't have any germination. And I said, well, that's strange because annual ryegrass seed will grow in the crack of the sidewalk. Three or four days in this kind of weather, it's up. <laughs> I'm telling you, Jim. And he said, I said, did you, when you say no germination, you truly mean no germination. He said, I don't see a sprig of anything. And I, we got to talking. I said, now, you know, this this is all brand new seed. It's all been tested. I said, do you have a lawn care service? And he said, well, yeah, I do. I said, do you know if they put a pre-emergent mm-hmm. down? And he just started scratching his head. He's like, yes, they did. Oh, so and he said, and, and, and but he was just relieved to know why he had no germination whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Now, he hated the fact that he had no germination. <laughs> But he was relieved to know, and, and it just made me think how often this happens, that we go out there, we've got these lawn care services taking care of our lawn. One of the things they put down is a pre-emergent in the fall to keep the weed seed from coming up. But like I told this gentleman, I said, it also keeps ryegrass from coming up. It doesn't know the difference between a weed seed and ryegrass seed. Absolutely. So keep that in mind, guys, if you have lawn care services and you're ever thinking about putting seed down – and remember, when you put a pre-emergent down, the residual on it typically is going to be anywhere from three to six months, depending on what you put down yep. and how heavy you put it down. Yep. You know, pendimethalin, and you can pretty much figure six months before you're going to get much with um, the uh, dimension. Yeah. 120 days, probably. Right. You know. And, and like I said, he wasn't. Now, if you till it, you'll be in much better shape if you're going to go in and plant seed. Because uh, it'll break up that barrier. It will inhibit some growth, but you'll get most of it coming up. And, and, and I'm telling you, he was just he was just relieved to know that it wasn't really something he did wrong, but he was mm-hmm. still scratching his head like, I know I can get ryegrass to come up out yeah. of all things. <laughs> right. But that pre-emergent, evidently they did a good job of putting it down because he said he had absolutely zero, no germination mm-hmm. whatsoever. Well, it is more of a relief to know it was that versus that your whole uh, landscape is dying. <laughs> you know, 
It is more of a relief to know it was just a misapplication timing of pre-emergent versus your soul sour and nothing's ever going to work. So, yeah, there's those little things that those little things that just set your whole garden off. And then keep in mind also really the big difference between, say, annual ryegrass and fescue, which we also sell a lot of, of course, in the fall. The ryegrass comes up really fast, like Jim said, three to five days, typically speaking. Looks great through the fall, the winter, and the spring. But next summer, wherever you have it, it's going to burn out, whether it's in the sun or the shade. Where fescue, we sell tons of it also. Typically, people are putting that in the more shaded environments where Bermuda and zoysia won't grow because of the shade. But it's it's more of a permanent grass year-round. So keep those two in mind if you're needing to grow either just a winter grass or trying to grow grass under these trees where nothing else grows. I've got to find out who's taking care of this fescue median. It's been beautiful for like the past seven years or so that I've been noticing. It's on um, uh, Walnut Grove, but down closer to the Houston Levee end. Mm. And it's just always beautiful. Summer, winter, fall, or whatever it is. The trees aren't limbed up really high, but they're limbed up Mm -hmm. some. But it's constantly nice. There was a house that had a pond I went out to see many years ago because they were having some issues with it. And uh, he had, I'm guessing, around two acres. He had a fescue lawn up under pine trees that was absolutely beautiful. I mean, grew right up to the trunks of trees. It was outstanding. And the guy who treats his lawn said, his fungicide bill alone is 200 bucks Mm -hmm. a month. (laughs) (laughs) That's rough right there. All right, y'all, just hang on. We got another hour of great questions to go. We'll be right back. You're listening to KWAM. The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, gardeners. Welcome to the third hour of Mid-South Gardening. We are glad to be here with you this morning. I'm Veda with Palladio. She is, and I'm Kenneth with Dan West Garden Centers. And I'm Jim Crowder, unemployed, except for this radio program. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm retired nurseryman no. and administrator of our Facebook group, Mid South Gardening. Gardening in USDA zone six, seven, and eight. And didn't you tell me last weekend you had about what ten thousand? We're over ten thousand, about ten thousand four hundred, ten thousand five hundred now. Yeah. Jim, it just keeps growing. It keeps growing. We get three to five pretty much every day. Some days, you know, somebody will just take, I guess, their their friends list and just put everybody in there, and we'll get twelve, fifteen. You know, at a time. So, mm. uh, always glad to have you. Man, well, it's still a good time to plant containers because we can do containers that are evergreen through the winter time. Uh, it's a good time to start that. We're going to start doing uh, fall or winter color. Yeah. You know, but we don't want to f- pass up our Thanksgiving yet. You know, we still have mm. a couple of weeks of fall. We've got great looking fall color going on. And you can uh, plant your containers to look good for fall and then transition them into winter as well. We made sure to get a lot of smaller evergreens that you can plant in containers, mm-hmm. window boxes, <clears throat> um, just all wheelbarrows. <laughs> plant you a wheelbarrow full of stuff. So if you don't have a yard to plant in or you don't have the energy to dig in the ground or whatever, there's so many options in containers to do. Yeah, a lady came into the garden center yesterday afternoon. And she had this glazed uh, turkey, okay, mm-hmm. uh, very colorful. And just the turkey itself would be a nice little centerpiece, yeah. okay? 
but there was a hollow place in the top of the turkey where there were some um, like styrofoam in there, and there were these fall leaves, orange and yellow fall leaves that were stuck in there. So it looked like a great little centerpiece, mm-hmm. right? Well, she came in and she said, if I take these leaves out of here, you know, what else could I put in here? And I was like, well, you can put, you know, needled evergreens stuck in there. You can do berries and stuck in there. So we were showing her all the different things that you could, you know, cut and put in there. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I think I'm going to leave the leaves in there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, it looks perfectly fine, like you said, for fall. Right. Now, later on, you know, after Thanksgiving, she might go in there and pluck those out of there, mm-hmm. that which were artificial, and put something else in there for Christmas. But it's funny uh, that, you know, the miles will walk to find something yeah. to, you know, make Perfect. a nice little centerpiece right. Well, I planted a long rectangular container the containers by an artist uh what was the artist's name willie gull i don't know i didn't know i've just been learned on this one but the container to me was just really cool and old-fashioned looking and looked like it was something that came out of a basement from a 1600 home you know 16 year 1600 you know so long and and just perfect uh but i put in there um hookara which is going to be evergreen, every <laughs> color. <laughs> it's going to last the whole year round. Um, the chorus, the sweet flag that stands upright for some height. That's got some white and green with it. A couple of ferns, mm-hmm. the evergreen ferns. That's going to fall over gracefully. Then some um, creeping Jenny it has the yellow that gives um, good accent to the green that's in there, and that's going to trail over. And um, another, I think, a juniper, a type of juniper. But mm-hmm. all of that is going to be uh, through the whole winter. It's going to be evergreen. Um, I did this one to sit on a patio where it's going to get some morning sun. It gets the uh, coverage or the protection from the overhang. And so it's not going to freeze all the way mm-hmm. through. So um, that way, I still get to have some year or winter interest and something live on the patio. You know, and the unique thing about that whole conversation you just had mm-hmm. is you had nothing really blooming in there, but the, yeah. you don't have to have something. Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. It's great to have violas, pansies, snapdragons, you know, dianthus, whatever, yeah. but you don't have to. And, and you mixed all those different textures and those different colors mm-hmm. that but you you're talking al- about. Also stuff some little crocus bulbs in there, you yeah. know, so in January or so, you've got some color popping out. Yeah. Uh, so there, there are lots of lots of options there. Gosh, you can just do so much in a container, and we don't even. I mean, <laughs> I can spend as much putting plants in one container as I can landscaping the front small flower bed. Right. You know, <laughs> if you've got like a twenty inch big container, you know, you you put soil in there till <clears throat> you're about ten inches from the top. Put a layer of tulips in there. Right. Yeah. Okay. Cover those just barely with soil. Mm-hmm. Put another layer of tulips or some hyacinths or daffodils. Mm-hmm. Cover those. Put another layer on top mm-hmm. of that. And you can end up with, even if you want to use the same bulb, you'll have three seasons yeah. of a red tulip. Because right. they're the way they're planted, Jim, in right. the different depths. You're looking at two weeks or so behind mm-hmm. on each one. So you can really extend your bloom period in the spring and have some very attractive uh, just by using bulbs Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. then of course there's the indoor bulbs you know the paper white narcissus and usually the ziva is what's around which is the old-fashioned paper white that has that very uh fragrant bloom we talked about that and there is another one on the market called in ball which is typically a little shorter variety uh, not as fragrant and it's funny when people come into the garden center and they'll say you know well what are these over here and i say well these are the in ball varieties they don't get as tall but they're not quite as fragrant 
They always run over back to the Zevas because yeah. they want that fragrance. And then I was talking to a lady, Theta Jim. They came into the garden center. This is yesterday, and she got two of the waxed amaryllis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it it just it was comical what she said. She's um uh, came by and she purchased two of the waxed amaryllis for her two daughters. Okay, and this young lady was a member of the Memphis area master gardeners. She's gone through the program. She loves to do that. She said, my daughters couldn't grow kudzu. That's <laughs> 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 what she said. And the reason that she got them the waxed amaryllis is you don't have to water them. You don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. All you do is just set them on the table. And she said, I hope they can grow these. <laughs> <laughs> I just started dying out laughing. Man, well, you saying that reminds me I need to go get ours out of the refrigerator because <clears throat> I had gotten some in the wax, but I put half of the inventory in the refrigerator so they would not bloom exactly because i want them to be blooming around christmas and mm-hmm. i forgot they were in there and it's a refrigerator out of sight out of mind out of yeah. sight christmas season would have been over and i would have went oh there's those amaryllis it's the best place to store them when you're if you don't want them to start sprouting yeah <laughs> yeah and it takes like six to eight weeks yeah, we, we always, back when we were potting and selling, we had a lot of pre-standing orders one years ago at the garden center I worked at. And, you know, like, uh, I don't know if you remember Joe Kirkpatrick. Mm-hmm. He would, he, we'd send him like 25 because he'd have a Christmas <clears throat> dinner and he'd give one to everybody. Um, but we would pot the whites and the pinks about the 10th of November. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the reds, we'd wait till around the 25th uh, because the, the reds and oranges mm-hmm. just seem to grow faster. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, sometimes we'd have to give them a little bottom heat or put them out in the greenhouse right. and let them warm up a little bit more to speed them up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, um, you know, get, it's about time, you know, if you get those pinks and whites in the, in, you know, start them going now. If you want them for Christmas. And then, right. uh, you know, some people say they don't mind them blooming even in January when everything's yeah. over, Christmas is over, the new year is over, but they still want something nice blooming in the house. Mm-hmm. A lot of them prefer to bloom in, you know, in January other than on Christmas Day. Um, but either way, you're fine. I do. I love the white amaryllis this year. And you could tell that by the way I ordered the bulbs. <laughs> I like, ordered more white amaryllis than red. <clears throat> and uh, it seems like I'm the only one at the moment that wants the white because the reds are almost all gone. Yeah. Reds but, typically were the best seller for us. Yeah. Anyway. T- tradition. Yeah. Mm, I do like, but I like the white and the green look. The, the, the white one with the little uh, very light red or pink edge, Picotee. Mm-hmm. It's the flower's not as large, um, but to me it's just stunning. And there's so many. I'm a member. Uh, I think I told y'all I'm a member of an amaryllis group that's based out of Australia, and you cannot believe some of these doubles and mm-hmm. that they do there. I mean, it's just uh, what it's just amazing, and uh, and they have a very active group, so they're posting pictures half a dozen every single day from different growers. And yeah. it's really beautiful. And you're right, because typically when you buy an amaryllis kit, mm-hmm. you see either the red, you know, the apple blossom, which is the oh, white and pink. Beautiful. Uh, you know, the um, uh, the pure white, like yeah. Veda's talking about. You know, there's only a few colors you typically ever see, like in a kit. But when you get to the loose bulbs, like Jim's talking mm-hmm. about, that's where you see these double blooms, mm-hmm. these uh, very unusual colors with the uh, the edge, a different color. So I'm like you. There's more to amaryllis than just that red or white or apple right. blossom. Mm-hmm. And then also when you're buying your bulbs, like a, uh, people will ask me, how come your blooms are so big or I have you get two or three more blooms mm. for your bulb? Mm. And 
because most times when you're buying them, like at grocery stores and places like that, the bulbs are small. Yes. So it still comes up and blooms for a good price, but it's if you want it to really be show shop stopper, big blooms, longevity, uh, then get a bigger substantial yeah. bloom. I mean, uh, a bulb. bulb because you can get a bulb, uh, amaryllis bulb for like uh, fifteen dollars, and you can get one all the way up for thirty, and the thirty one is going to give you twice as much as that $15 bulb. Yeah, the so size there of, are a difference. Most all the ones, you know, that we planted, we had to go to an 8-inch pot to Ooh. be able to give them an inch, inch and a half on each side because they yeah. would be so big. Yeah. Now, some of the whites you could get into a 6-inch, but mm-hmm. most of them you had to go to a pretty large pot uh, yeah. uh, to do that. Because they last so much longer and they're so beautiful, and you'll definitely be... The winner of the bulb, <laughs> if you get a big one from an independent garden center. And then yeah. slap it outside afterwards, and it'll bloom year after year mm-hmm. after year for you. And plant it just, the only difference is, instead of being half above the ground, you want to put it with the neck just at the soil surface. Uh, and uh, I've had some bloom twice a year, you know, yeah. just they're spectacular in the garden. And, and But you wait until spring to take them out there and turn them in the bed. Yeah, because they've got foliage on yes. them. Right. Okay. We wait yeah. till they, we get past the freeze time and then plant them. Uh, and then they'll cycle and, and get on a, a yearly bloom for mm-hmm. you. So yeah. Don't throw them away. No. Go out there and plant them in the beds. Because no. yep. yeah. I had the La Paz, the one that uh, was orange, that had uh, bloomed later in the house, like in February. Took it out, put it in the flower bed. It bloomed in September. And I pulled it out and trying to uh, slow it down so I can restart it to bloom again in January. I might have exhausted it. But we have to go to a break. (laughs) We'll be right back. Give us a call, 260-5926. Good morning and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Hey, uh, we've got some our Christmas house going on at Palladio, and um, y'all did oh, yeah. last weekend. Was it last weekend, or do you say, yeah? Last weekend, we had the Christmas open house, and like you said, Veda, this is the time of year that all the seasons kind of converge together. Yeah. You know, we've got, you know, the end of summer, we've got, of course, fall, and then you have uh, the cool, you know, Christmas season kind of all merged together in one mm-hmm. melting pot. Yeah. Yeah, let's just make it all one together. It's fun. I just like it for all the decorating. The changing and all of that. Well, but and the we, food, yeah, the food, of course. Well, but also, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you can still buy trees and shrubs and plant this time of year. We mm-hmm. all know that fall, mm-hmm. Jim, is a great time to plant um, tree, you know, trees and shrubs. Uh, now, you might not find quite the selection this time of year that you find in the mm-hmm. spring, but if you find what you're looking for, by all means, it's a great time of year and to plant. The Fothigaria is. The fall color is phenomenal on that. I had to get it out, and move it up front to showcase that it's so beautiful. The red chokeberry, the berries are looking mm-hmm. really good on those. And I, the deciduous hollies. Yeah. Even in the um, oak leaf hollies are getting a little fall tint, too. No, not the oak leaf. Oak leaf hydrangeas. Mm-hmm. Yes, fall tint. Um, the dwarf burning bush, mm-hmm. those are looking good. So the, the nursery looks like just definitely fall. You get really good inspiration. The mustard is so pretty with the big purple mustard leaves planting um, the Johnny Jump Ups around the mustard leaves to take to complement the colors. And, Vady, you mentioned the burning bush. You know, there again, no one really thinks about a burning bush uh, until this time of year. Yeah. You know, then they go, man, what is that? Yeah. And, and then I want some. This year it's going to be prettier than I think I've ever seen yeah. them. They're already so blood red, Jim. Yeah. They're beautiful. Yes. Mm. 
I know. I love it. I love it. I'm so glad. And yep, Jim, you pegged that one for sure. You know, you're talking about the fall color might be better. We were worried because it was kind of dry. Because of the drought. And then you explained that to us again. Why is our fall color better this year? Well, it's because we had, uh, you get warm days, you get cool nights, you have dry periods, okay? And the length of the day is what actually starts locking the sugars in hmm. uh, with with the help of the cool nights. And that way, as the green chlorophyll is depleted, you've got all those other colors that are just amplified. That you never see during the growing That's season. Right. The, so it's uh, all, everything set up for the perfect fall for this hmm. year. Yeah. And didn't I read, Jim, where you know, the green chlorophyll that we see is like the only color that doesn't reflect. That's why we see the green but during the fall, when you start losing that chlorophyll, you actually see the true colors. That are always mm. there. That are always yeah. there, but right. you just can't see them right. because that's of the like, time of year. Well, that's mm. like being in a dark room. The colors are always <coughs> there. You can't see them until you turn on the light. Good <laughs> analogy. Good analogy. I'm getting a headache. Explain <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> why I trip over the furniture. <laughs> On the Memphis, you know my small toe is a geolocator for furniture. Is it now? Yeah. <laughs> Mine is my, my, my metal toe, Jim. <laughs> On the Memphis Area Master Gardener or webpage of events, uh, if you go in there and look, you'll see today is the free mulch giveaway day. Um, at Memphis uh, residents only, uh, remember, no cur- commercial businesses are eligible, just Memphis residentials. Uh, there's two locations at the Liberty Bowl. I don't know quite where this is. It says Liberty Bowl, Lot 6, and, of course, Shelby Farms. So if you're looking to get some uh, some free mulch today because it is the free mulch giveaway day, um, remember, Liberty Bowl, Lot 6, and Shelby Farms, and they had on the webpage the timing from 8 o'clock to 4 o'clock uh, today only. So, you know, there again, you can get some free mulch. So, but you still might want to go take a look at the mulch. Uh, I don't yeah. mind mulch. To me, mulch is mulch unless it's got some chopped up, you know, pallets in it and stuff glue. like Right. Well, and see, wasn't it last weekend we were just kind of giving a little information about the arborist mulch and that, yes. what that would mm-hmm. be? And you were speaking of making sure it was composted down or what yeah. were some of the well, highlights the, the comp- on that? Well, the arborist mulch is much chunkier, okay, um, because it's run through a, a chopper instead of uh, run like a shredder through a shredder, like yeah. the, the you know, the mulch that you're going to get here at, and I think at the lots are going to be a lot of leaves, uh, with um, small bits of wood. It's going to, I think, be a better quality thing. Mm-hmm. And you see, now you know, they'll probably do it again after Christmas as they grind up Christmas trees, but those, you know, they really need to sit six months or so yeah. before you use them. And you know, a light. A light scattering is probably not going to hurt anything, but if you put very much on there, you know, and particularly if you've got fall color like pansies, they'll turn silver almost overnight. Mm-hmm, just yeah. sucks the nitrogen mm-hmm. out of the ground. Uh, so it's it's <laughs> not a healthy thing to do, you know. And your mulch should not smell like a whiskey barrel when right. you put it down, you know. If it does, it ain't ready yet. <laughs> or it should smell like a, yeah, it's not ready. Or it shouldn't smell like a cow patty. Yeah, either. you know, or if you you know if you look at the water that's you know they usually pump water on these things to help them decompose quicker, and if it's running out black, you know, or dark brown, then mulch is still probably not ready. That's a lot of tannic acid in there, so you know it's not something that I would prefer to put on my beds. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of like the same theory that when someone cuts a tree down and they grind the stump up right. and they're ready to go back out there, usually the consumer, and plant a tree right back in that same spot. Well, I'm not saying it can't be done, but the first thing you want to do is try to remove as much of that fresh, raw wood as you possibly can, which is the same thing as Jim saying. You don't want to use fresh, raw wood as a mulch either. Right. Yeah, and it's really mm-hmm. not a good idea to put a tree back in the same place because you you got that tree, and they're going to take stump out, but you got miles of roots up underneath there, some of which are, you know, are bigger around as your leg or and my then, leg. And get some sinkage. Uh, yeah, and that's going to, over the next 10, 15 years, it's going to rot away, and mm-hmm. you're going to have sinkholes in there. and. And roots are going to want to follow those because that's the path of least resistance, but it also gives you less anchorage in the tree. Uh, so it, you know, move over three or five yeah. feet and let it find its own path, you know, instead yeah. of planting it back on top of it. Right. Yeah. But I, at, even right. at that, though, you still want to make sure that that raw material is out of yes, there absolutely. before you go in there and plant. Right. And we did have some uh, one text in, Miss Wendy Johnston. Uh, on the Mighty 990 Facebook page. And, Wendy, thank you for the text. She said, we have a red twig dogwood we got from Jim's home two years ago. When should we remove the old growth? I usually cut mine back in in the spring. Okay, leave it through the winter because you've got good color. But then I cut mine down to the ground because the first-year wood is the reddest the next year. Now, could they go in there this time of year, Jim, and take out selectively old wood that yeah. just wasn't really red like right. it should or, be you know if you want to use some in, a, in a, an arrangement go ahead and cut them out that's fine they're not going to re-sprout this late in the season um but you you really get the best look off of them and you know and my red twigs are not only there for the color but they're there to feed different uh caterpillars so you know the foliage isn't always the prettiest um, because you've got caterpillars mm-hmm. munching on it, and but it's, it's there for a reason. And, and so. can I ask you a question on this when, for Wendy? is For me, is if you've got red twig dogwoods, are you cutting the whole bush back, Jim, early spring, or are you going in there and just selectively cutting out the older tissue? On mine, I cut them all the way back to the ground, yeah. everything, so that everything I get is bright red. You know, um, Got it. Yeah, to me, that's mm-hmm. the prettiest way yeah, to do it. Yeah, I like that. I do, do, I know, do the yellow twig exactly the same way. But she can go out there even this time of year and selectively, if she didn't do it, and she's got older growth on there, which we know is not going to be as pretty and red as right. that new, that first year's growth, she can cut that out of there now. Yeah, like and said. you'll get three to five to replace that one that you take out. Mm-hmm. So it's going to make it much bushier and much, much, much more prettier. Right. And plus, right now, that, I'm using, that is that definitely in gardening, that's a word. <laughs> okay. Definitely. Yes, um, I'm using it in uh, floral displays and all. I'm going to use the twigs in there. This year, I I got my timing wrong on the cuttings or in cutting where I didn't have the fresh new uh, red stems to choose from this time. They're not going to be as vibrant, but they're still going to look good. But um, I got to get back on the the right cycle. And cutting them back in in the spring, like Jim said, is the best way to do that because that that new growth, that one, that first year wood is what's really the prettiest out there on these red and yellow twig dogwoods. And and you have to remember, too, that these are not like flowering dogwoods. These plants like to be in full sun. Mm -hmm. They'll grow fine in moist to wet soil. Mm -hmm. They'll be happy. They'll have prettier foliage. Yeah. Completely opposite than from a flowering dogwood. Yes. All right, y'all check that out, and y'all hang on. Listen to the rest of the show. We'll be back. Give us a call, 260-5926. 
Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to Mid-South Garden. We don't have much more time to go, so if you have that question, you are just dying to ask. If it's almost to the end and you're like, I still haven't called and asked that question, then call. And uh, if you don't want to be on air, Philip, no, no, not Philip. Mr. Allen. Allen. Thank you, Allen, for being here. We'll uh, post the question, and you can also do it on Facebook Live. And if you want to reach us during the week, you can post it on our Facebook group, Mid-South Gardening. Starting in USDA Zone 6, 7, and 8. But if you want to give us a call, 901-260-5926. And, of course, if you want to shoot us a text, like so many people have today, the Mighty 990 Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening. And if you want to fall asleep for the last 20 minutes, then you can hear us on our podcast. Mm Mm-hmm. And you can send me an email if you like at midsouthgardening.gmail.com. And it goes directly to my mail. Like you don't have enough to do on the webpage? <laughs> <laughs> Good Lord, Jim. We're here. We we want to help you grow. And we want to learn how you grow as well. Um, so owls eat rodents. They do. Right? So that's a good wildlife to have attracted to your yard. But <clears throat> owls live in holes. They need little they need places to live. And usually they're living in a tree, uh, maybe partially dead tree that a woodpecker Mm-hmm. Has pecked out the the, um, the tree, cavity. the cavity, and that's where the owls live. Unless it's a barn can, owl. Unless, yeah. Likes to live in a barn. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go figure. And yeah. you know what happens to barn owls on rafters, right? Uh-uh. It's slicker than what? <laughs> no, don't oh, know that. God, I uh, <laughs> didn't even see that coming. Okay, so back to the point here. In our yards, we don't... First off, you get mad because you've got a woodpecker making all this noise pecking on your tree. So then you're trying to get rid of the woodpecker. But then there's no way for this owl to have a home. Mm-hmm. But then we don't want dead trees in our yard because what if they fall on our house? Mm-hmm. But then there's no place for the owl to have its home. But owls eat rodents. So this is where we're stuck in our wildlife <clears throat> cycle of how, how do we coexist and, and help our wildlife in our yards as well. And this is kind of where we start doing the bat houses and the wildlife houses and things like that. Because we can't, in a suburban location, leave enough dead wood in our yard to provide habitats for animals. You see, the way she's thinking, say, I'm thinking just the opposite. She's thinking about bringing the habitat into her area, mm-hmm. bringing these wild animals. Uh, these, but, and I agree with Veda, there are some out there that you would love to have around. There are some out there that you hate to have around. Mm-hmm. Remember the first hour we were talking about the herd of deer that ate the 30 flats of pansies? That's mm-hmm. one. And then remember last year when I opened my grill and there's a possum in there looking <laughs> right. up at me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> unfortunately, I don't care where you live, whether you're in a country setting or a city setting, you're going to have varmints out there. But you know, like that possum, I'm sure that grill was not his choice to live. That was his only Why well, he was mighty comfortable. There was, yeah, because there's just, we're taking things away. But I'm not saying to leave a dead tree. I'm just trying to change our thought process a little bit on what are we doing in our our yard. You're complaining or we're complaining because our deer have eaten everything. But where are they going to go? You know, (laughs) we've got these these islands built where the deer have nowhere to go. They can't function or keep their life going in this little spot. So they're venturing out. And so we've got to help out a little more. And this is the ways. this is the same girl that would go up there and try to get a wasp wasp yeah. nest, Jim, mm-hmm. and move it somewhere with the wasp still on it. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. but of course, you know, I spray it with water so their their wings are not mm-hmm. able. They're not able to fly. Mm-hmm. It lasts not. It doesn't last long. You have to have a clear path. You have to have it. <laughs> fixed before you just don't go move it <laughs> you better have so, a clear path right and you know it's not fun all the time <laughs> uh, what about um in fact i agree with your philosophy there though you're right i mean we want to do our part no doubt about mm-hmm. it to make it more to make it more of a habitat uh, than just our dog well, and cat. we're like saying oh get a bush with a berry so the bird can have a berry and the bird can... And then people are mad that the birds are eating the berries. Yeah, yeah. And planting or, seed everywhere else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But so you kind of have to get the whole cycle going. We're not thinking deep enough into they also need other aspects as well. Well, unfortunately for me, you know, I live right beside a huge plot of woods, mm-hmm. okay? And they're, they can stay in there. They can do whatever they want to do. Well, right. of course, from time to time, they venture out of their little wooded area mm-hmm. and just do whatever they want to do in my landscape, whether it's armadillos, whether it's raccoons, like I was telling you, whether it's possums out there, whether it's the squirrels, on and on and on. I'm constantly fighting these varmints. Right, Beta. right. Uh, now, yes. you know, I guess when I plant something in a pot and they're out there eating oak bark, and they see mm-hmm. this lush plant, green, succulent <laughs> plant, Jim, growing in my in my planter. They'd just soon have that plant mm-hmm. I just planted. So I get it. Right, right. Yeah, we just got to make it all work. Or just think a little bit farther outside of the bat box or the owl box. <laughs> or, or the, the butterfly owl. house. Well, even this. <laughs> so, right. Right, well, Jim. think about this. We get stuck <laughs> in that double. And this kind of goes down into where we're trying to do more natives or choosing plants that that are for this area okay wait i'm getting everything too too jumbled up let me we don't want to live a lot leave a lot of stems when we're cutting back things because they're hollow and the water can drop down in the stems and then can rot the plant out however the hollow stems are great places for bees to make their homes as well so do you leave that for the bees and possibly kill the plant you know can you spell overthink yeah, <laughs> that's, me. that's me all right but it's true well now bees like to live in the the cone flower uh, stems and if water gets down in the cone flower stems that doesn't kill the cone flower because cone flowers are native here so so it's kind of like that little cycle there too well i still think overall wildlife is going to make it long after we're gone you know mm-hmm. including the bees and everything else now is it good to have a habitat for them if we can do our little part i totally agree with that but they, uh, it, when it comes like you said asking the question cutting back things that i know i probably shouldn't cut back this time of year but i'm gonna do it just because i think it might help uh-huh. no it yeah. ain't gonna happen <laughs> young lady you know, it could, but that's not the way I would think. Yes, yeah. Well, it takes all kinds of gardeners, though. That's true. Because there's all kinds of environments and landscapes happening. But we're just more to think about it. I mean, we have always, gosh, I remember just learning, you know, it was um, clear the slate, remove everything, mm. clear the sca- slate, and then rebuild it all and then keep it sterile. Mm, yeah, not not good either. Yeah. Uh, dwarf Alberta spruce, you know, a lot of people buy them this time of year. They're conical shape, evergreen. They put lights on them, put mm-hmm. them in pots, mm-hmm. and they're really, really, really easy to grow when it comes for fall uh, and winter and even spring. But I was doing some reading about it last night. If you really want to try to carry over 
an Alberta spruce. And like Jim always says, anything with the word Alberta in it probably is not good to use yeah. around here in yeah. the Mid-South. Canada or Alaskan. <laughs> yeah. But you can you can grow Alberta spruce, whether you're doing it in containers mm-hmm. or whether you do it in a bed. But the biggest thing with Alberta spruce is they got to have, and we say this about everything, really good drainage. That's one if you want to try to carry this thing over, if you plant it out in a bed. And they need really good air circulation also. They need to be, they don't want to be crowded into anything. They need their good open air circulation. Uh, And also, I think the perfect place to put it where it gets really good morning sun, maybe some relief from the hottest part of the afternoon sun. Now, the further north you go, you can take all the sun you want to give it. But here, you know, we all live by a different set of rules around here. We know that when it comes to gardening. And the other thing is you want to make sure you keep this thing moist, not wet. Uh, which sounds to me like everything else that we plant around here. But don't think that you can't grow Alberta spruce around here. You don't have to throw the thing away once the Christmas season is gone. Mm, right. You can try to grow these, and a lot of people do have success if you do it the right way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've found that they don't mm. like overwater at all. No, you that's know? why I'm saying you better and, have good drainage. And even and they, if the soil's too good. That holds too much moisture, and they don't like it. They need dark also. If you have your lights on your front porch all the time, Alberta spruce is not going to like that. Mm-hmm. They need their full dark period with eight to nine hours of sunlight uh, or light, and then they need dark. Okay. Yeah. No wonder why. Just because of the photosynthesis, Jim? Or? They have to have that dormant period, and if you you know leave your lights on right. all the time, I've seen people that had gas lights and put mm-hmm. them beside it, and the side next to the light will brown off. That okay. is crazy. It mm-hmm. looks great on the other side, um, but they they need that full darkness. Right. Yeah, just like a lot of insects do, too. We've got too much light in our landscape all night. Darkness is needed for the um, animals, the insects, and the plants. They have a certain requirement, and dark is part of it, just like we need dark to sleep. Well, I'm going to tell you, with these new uh, LED street lights they're putting up, <laughs> Uh, is I mean, you can drive down the street, you can drive down the street that I live on now, and it looks completely different at night than it did just a month ago, Jim, before they put these things in. It is so lit up. I mean, it looks like daylight out there at night. It's stressing me. And if you look around a lot of those poles, um, you'll find a toad. They have learned to dig holes next to tele- to light poles because the insect count is higher. Well, of mm-hmm. course. Yeah. In the neighborhood, when we first moved to Bartlett, uh, when Daybreak uh, Subdivision was just, there was no golf course. There was nothing but fields out there. And uh, you could go to almost every light pole, and you'd find a hole there, and there'd be a toad inside of it. Oh, mm-hmm. be darn. I'm going to get a T-shirt that says, toads are smart. Yeah, they are smart. <laughs> They're like, I'm exhausted. I can't sleep very well, but I sure am full. <laughs> All right, to another break. I'm telling you what frogs think. We better take a break. We'll be right back. (laughs) Good morning, gardeners, and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Now that you're planning for your wildlife, after that, think about your wildlife. Throw a party. Throw a party. I love Jim's thoughts on that. <laughs> you know, we mentioned a while ago when the uh, the young ladies, uh, Jane and Kim, were up here from the uh, Memphis Air Master Gardeners talking about the calendar, and we appreciate that once again. 
I was saying that some of the articles that are available online, and then, you know, like I said, one it said, the first one says the tomato, the mm. heart of the garden, types, uh, tips on how to grow tomatoes and how to overcome some of the common problems, which is great to know if you're trying to grow tomatoes. I mean, everybody needs to read that article, right? Uh, the other one says flowering plants of Shelby mm-hmm. County, a list of plants that they uh, perform well here in Shelby County uh, with their light and water requirements. I mean, that's great to know about flowering plants here in Shelby County. Uh, and it's this one is the experts' favorite plants. Mid-South gardening experts weigh in regarding their favorite hostas, hydrangeas, daffodils, and more. And they'll explain to why, mm-hmm. you know, these are their favorite plants. So that would be uh, exciting to read. And then, of course, deer-resistant plants. Uh, we all love deer, except when they... <laughs> Well, you said when they destroy our beautiful gardens, uh, see what you can plant that deer don't like to eat. Um, so, you know, there again, this is mm-hmm. just wonderful information that it never hurts to mm-hmm. know. But it just it applies to pretty much anybody in, you know, in zone six, seven and eight. This is it's not just for Shelby County. That's exactly it's right. By the Shelby County Master Gardeners. But, you know, it's going mm-hmm. to be pertinent if you live in Chattanooga or Birmingham mm-hmm. or wherever you are. I mean, this is still this is excellent information. You're exactly mm-hmm. right, Jim. And then uh, two or three more here. One of we, we talked about this was the invasive plants of Tennessee. It says, you may be surprised (laughs) that some of your favorite plants might be on this list. (laughs) Uh, You know, they're nice in the short term, but we all know what can happen. So it's good to know what plants are deemed invasive. Uh, Attracting pollinators, like Veda was talking about a while ago, putting different plants out there that are beneficial uh, mm-hmm. to not only wildlife, but also to beneficials. Yeah. That, that just makes me think of uh, where we're talking about invasive plants. So one of the yards my sister was working in, it had a, a privet hedge yeah. and uh, old and damaged and thinning, thinning a lot. And so he wanted to buy more privet to put there. But of course you can't because it's not illegal. And Eve, my sister, not in Tennessee. Yeah, not in Tennessee. So, she, what she did is other people's yards that she worked in that had a few growing in. She would just pull mm-hmm. those sprouts up and go take them to his yard and plant them in there. And I'm like, how weird that we can't sell those because they they're evasive in Tennessee. However, this man has them in his yard and wants more, and there's no sprigs, no yeah. little seedlings. So she's actually going to other people's houses and pulling those seedlings up and putting them in his yard, in his flower bed, so he can have his privet hedge again. And there's still plenty of privet out there, no yeah. doubt about and it. And we, we had a conversation this week on our on our Facebook group, um, the lady who hit, uh, got a sunshine ligustrum, which mm. is, you know, it's one of Southern Living's favorite plants. <laughs> but in Tennessee, it because it is ligustrum sinensis, on a cultivar of it, you cannot sell it in Tennessee. Nurseries can't sell it. But she was gifted one from somebody in Kentucky, right? Mm. Who who gave it to her, uh, and uh, it you know it is advertised that it is it does not bloom, it is mm-hmm. sterile, but it still suckers, and so it's still on the invasive species list here in Tennessee because See, I, it can over time form a clump. Now. It ain't going to seed. Right. You so know. I don't see what the big problem is Well, then. the problem is it still suckers, okay? It's yeah. still, you know, if if it got into a forest, there's nothing to stop it from g- growing. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but it, it is a beautiful plant. And mm-hmm. But what really in, I thought was cool, the lady in Kentucky who had one had it up trim tree form. It was about mm-hmm. 10 feet tall. And everything you read about it from Southern Living says it only gets six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. uh, you know, she was wanting to train hers exactly the same way. 
Yeah. See, it just goes to show we're, that we're not in control of nature. <laughs> yeah, but it's good to know what plants are invasive. and <laughs> Not even in control of my life. <laughs> and which ones aren't. Uh, and two more, guys. We had, um, they are talking about a, a wonderful article on herbs. Uh, herbs, they say, are among the least demanding and the most giving plants to grow. And think about that. That is so true. Um, and then lastly, the, uh, the perfect lawn and drought and heat tolerant perennials. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's not only, you know, the calendar that we're talking about that has that wonderful information. Also, if you go online and read these articles, and they're right there on the front page, they're great articles to read also. And we're going to start getting back into houseplant season also. And I noticed in the calendar they got a little little bit going on on houseplants in there as well. But um, houseplants have come a long way. Indoor plants, I'd rather call them indoor plants than houseplants mm-hmm. because there's, there's just so many different kinds. And you can create special environments indoors for your type of plants. Yeah, you notice um, for Foliage Friday, I posted nothing but houseplants yeah. or indoor plants or tropical plants or whatever, mm-hmm. just because you had such a variety of texture, you mm-hmm. know, and so many of them have spectacular blooms and they'll bloom yeah. inside, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. It's, um, yeah, but you, you do need to know, though. First Thanksgiving cactus just opened up. Yes, you know? we had that too. So, uh, you know, there's so many things you can grow inside that will have color. So, Jim, you're sure that's not a Christmas cactus blooming early? No, it's a Thanksgiving cactus that normally they sell that blooms at Christmas. See, exactly. that's, I, that's same thing. Same thing. This one's about to bloom beautiful. We had a new uh, a new customer come into the store, and he's just standing there. And, and I'm like, well, are you, can I help you? Are you okay? And he says, I'm going to have so much fun. <laughs> All I can do right now is just stand here and just, I'm going to have so much fun. Yeah. And I said, so you would like me to leave you alone for a while and let you look around? He goes, please. (laughs) (laughs) And then he comes back. He was daydreaming. Oh, yeah, yeah, because there's just, and he was standing in the um, indoor plant section because there's so many textures and colors and foliage sizes and blooms and succulents and cactus and And, amaryllis. And the nice thing, now, most plants now have a tag on that tells you what they are. Now, that's all I would read. Disregard everything else on the tag. Mm. Go to the Internet while you're standing there in front of them and look and see if it's what you want. We had a lady who bought a, uh, there's a, and I post a picture of mine, a Senatio, which is a Himalaya. Mm-hmm. It's an upright plant. Um, it gets, it, in nature, it can get up to six feet tall, but it has beautiful yellow flowers. And, and the painted lady butterflies just love it. So, uh, you know, but she bought it because she understood it was a weeping plant and would hang over, Mm -hmm. you know, and not this one. Now, there are plants that have similar foliage that will do that. Um, But, you know, this one is, is, this one's an upright plant. But why would you not, you know, I love what you just said, though, Jim, but Mm -hmm. explain why would you just, I love that plant. Don't read the label that's stuck in the plant. Really get online and read about what this plant really is. Right, and don't just read one article. Read several, okay, because you'll find a good bit of variation in there. Mm -hmm. Um, Almost always the heights and size of the plants are wrong, particularly on outdoor plants, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, They just do different here in Memphis, you know, and in different areas depending on your soil. Um, It's just so many variables that can affect, you know, I hate to see people, you know, that go in and they 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 put uh, Nellie Stevens hollies, you know, three feet apart. Right. You know, it's just none of them are going to be healthy because they can't produce enough foliage in the shade of themselves. Right. You know, they need to be out eight to ten feet apart so they can grow together and have lots of foliage, food producing mm-hmm. tissue. 
So, you know, placement is critical. So, you know, usually I just disregard that. What, what's mm-hmm. on that tag? Yeah. And, and remember the color photo on there mm-hmm. fades in a couple of days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> if you think it's that color, really rethink right. it. It's yeah. so true. It is. It is so true. Uh, Houseplants, moisture meter, definitely need, just, just get a moisture meter. You know, don't try to be brave. Just get a moisture meter. It'll give you great success with houseplants. But anyway, come visit all of us online, garden centers, whatever the case is. We will be here, and we will garden with you next weekend in the Mid-South Gardening. Kenneth, Jim, have a great week. Bye, y'all. Bye.